You are listening to Viva and Barnes Law for the People, an American and Canadian lawyer breaking down the latest in the legal world in terms everyone can understand. Enjoy the podcast. I will remind everyone that the number one thing we can all do to keep ourselves safe, to keep our loved ones safe, is make sure that you're up to date in your COVID vaccinations. And while you're at it, get your flu shot. Uh, there's a lot of people getting sick this year, uh, perhaps because we all uh, were so diligent about being safe uh, over the past couple of years and wearing masks uh, that uh, we need to step up again and make sure that everyone's doing everything they can uh, to keep their families, uh, their loved ones and their communities safe by getting vaccinated and making sure they're up to date. Oh, I will I'm sorry. Everyone that the number I will remind everyone. I will remind everyone. What are we going to remind us of here? I will remind everyone that the number one thing we can all do to keep ourselves safe, to keep our loved ones safe, is make sure that you're up to date in your COVID vaccinations. Teacher, while you're at it, teacher, uh, how does me getting vaccinated keep my loved ones safe if I can still contract, carry, and transmit the virus? If if the argument is at best now, and I'm just trying to follow the science, your science that the best the therapeutic jibby-jab will do is reduce the severity of symptoms for me, how does me getting it then keep anybody else safe? There, there's the old expression attributed to Einstein. I, we're done. We're done. I think we've all, we've all puked enough in our mouths. There's the old expression that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Einstein. Einstein, Glang, Peaky, Peaky, Peaky. There's an old rhyme from when we were kids. Um, it's insanity. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolute insanity. It's madness. It's enraging. I, 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 we, I'm, feel like I'm taking crazy pills. The number one thing you can do to keep yourself and others around you safe is to go get vaccinated. And now you're, you're letting everybody out there who's already reluctant for booster number seven now you're saying you're, you're going to couple these things with the flu shot? Oh, I wonder what's going to happen to flu shot uptake. And by the way, what, is, what are the stats? Like in an or, ordinary season, the effectiveness of the flu shot because of the mutations of the flu virus are like 40 to 70% if, if you're lucky. Oh, the number one thing. I will remind everybody. Like, 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 he's, like he's a dictator. Like he's, like he's my parent. And I, I have to weigh my responses because I appreciate, I am, I have never hated uh, another, I have never had disdain for another human the way I have disdain for Justin Trudeau. Not, not hatred, I should, I should walk that back a little bit. It's disdain. I, 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 it might be hatred. And you have to make sure that that does not consume you as an entity because hatred is a black hole. You get too close to hatred and it pulls everything in. Um, but I listen to that and I have the deepest contempt imaginable for that man. Um, and then I wanted to think of a nice hashtag like just insanity or just incredulous. Just incredulous. That, incredulous doesn't mean what I think it means. Um, salty balls, you're damn right. I'm blah, 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 rambling. Unless you're talking about Justin Trudeau. Salty balls. What kind of name is that anyhow? Um, that's the intro. 
The, the rant is over. Uh, good evening, everybody. It's the Sunday night with Viva and Barnes on a Monday because Barnes was in transit yesterday and um, we had to put the stream to tonight. But yesterday was one heck of a... Oh my goodness, they had the Twitter thing at five o'clock that I was supposed to listen to, but I forgot. We're going to go over some stuff tonight, but um, until Barnes gets here, intro rant over. Standard disclaimers. Thank you very much. Right on, right on time. 8249641510 pounds says breaking UFO hunters descend on the Viva residence after the discovery of multiple unidentified fecal object. Winston has approached for interview but declined to comment. Winston, get up here. Get up here. Get up here. Oh. Oh yeah. People wanted oi. No Winston, no peace last time. Winston is here alive and well. It is a dystopian world in Canada. Sad is not the word. And we're going to get into the first article of the day. Winston is here, alive and well. Good. You're done. Oi! Standard disclaimers. No medical advice, no legal advice, no election fortification advice. For all those Super Chats, Rumble Rants, thank you very much for the support. Uh, bear in mind, YouTube takes 30% of Rumble rant, uh, Super Chats. If you don't want to support YouTube in that way, we are simultaneously streaming on Rumble. Uh, link is in the pinned comment in the chat. Rumble has these things called Rumble Rants. They take 20%. So better for the creator, better to support a platform that supports free speech. Um, what else? That's pretty much it. Here's the link to Rumble. We'll be going over there in a bit. And get it? Uh, you may have noticed in the beginning, it says this video contains a, a paid promotion. Let me make sure that it actually says that. Because if it doesn't, it does. I, I know that I did it. Let me just make sure because I'm neurotic and I want to be... Uh, more kosher than the Pope, as they say. Uh, it does contain a paid promotion. And that is one of my sponsors, EnviroCleanse, air purification systems. Um, they have a special for Christmas. Uh, let, me just, let me just pull this up here. Hold on just one second. Uh, it, it is a filter that I use myself at home. It's something that has been working, I think is phenomenal. I had filters back in Canada. They were not, they were not the same. EnviroCleanse, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I read the, um, the Christmas special. If you could give one holiday gift that could help the entire family avoid seasonal colds, flu, and even COVID. These are not my words. This is patented technology of a company that is used by the Department of Defense in submarines in 300,000 schools across America. That would be the best gift ever. EnviroCleanse is the new science of home air purification, and they've just announced an unbelievable holiday sale you can't afford to miss. Here's what sold me on EnviroCleanse. Well, didn't have to, didn't have to, I didn't need to be sold on EnviroCleanse. Air circulation in my home from room to room, family member to family member, including holiday guests, is a breeding ground for viruses and germs. It's how colds, flu, and COVID take down the entire family. You know what's also a, a good way to protect yourself? Healthy air, exercise, vitamin C. No medical advice. Vitamin D. Get outside. Get exercise. Um, Three hundred thousand of those units in schools across America. Department of Justice, not the Department of Justice. Department of Defense uses it in submarines. Um, patented technology in the neutralizing filter. It's got a big fat HEPA filter. It's whisper quiet. Have I? I haven't brought up the uh, window to show what it looks like. Uh, hold on a second here. I'll bring it right here. Um, I've shown it to you many times. That's what it looks like. It's a big, beautiful white box. You don't hear it. It cleans the air. Particulate matter, it cleans out volatile organic compounds, smells, germs, etc. It's $699. It's not cheap. 
Uh, but if you use promo code Rumble for the holiday season, you get 10% off a free air quality monitor. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a damn good unit, period. For anybody who knows that they need one, you know that you need one. For those who don't know that you need one, to the extent you can get it, everybody needs one. Clean air is the most important thing on earth and there's 0% financing uh, if you fit the criteria, whatever. ekpure.com, E-K, echo, kilo, pure.com. Uh, it brings you to the website, promo code Rumble for the holiday season special. Is there a Mrs. Shittenhouse? Asks Time Magazine before affirming Winston as one of the top, the world's top most eligible bachelors. There is a Mrs. Pudge Shittenhouse, and she's literally the Shittenhouse because she shits in the house, I'll tell you what. Okay, that's the, that's the house cleaning, pun intended. Now let's get to just insanity. Just insanity. There was a recent poll out of Canada that shows that um, two-thirds of Canadians polled support or supported the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Yeah, you have to. It's it's ama- it's amazing. Uh, two-thirds of the people polled. If anybody hasn't seen the sidebar that I did with Barnes and Richard Barris. I remember exactly where I was when I did it. I was in a car in New Brunswick on a place called Deer Island, doing it at night, getting destroyed by mosquitoes, doing a live stream on the road. And we talked about pollsters. We talked about what a scam of an industry it is, not naming any names in particular. But but I goodness, it gives you it gives you the headlines that you need so that you can then the media can then promote the narrative they want to promote. This is from CTV News, which is na- the narrative is two thirds of Canadians support the invocation of the Emergencies Act. CTV News is citing a poll that was mandated by the Globe and Mail, uh, who mandated Nanos. Is it called Nanos? Nanos polling. Most Canadians back invocation of Emergencies Act during freedom protest convoys. Nanos mandated by Globe and Mail, and they just they just cross reference each other. You got another one here. This one, I, CP24. Poll, majority of Canadians support use of Emergencies Act. Uh, I wanted to get the actual article because the actual article, it, it, there's, there's some interesting backstory to this as well. Is this it? No, this is another, it's, it's very interesting also, by the way. Um, back in February, there was another poll. This one was conducted by the, I, I don't know if the National Post conducted uh, whichever entity it was that did that poll. Back in February, two-thirds of Canadians support use of Emergencies Act and want Freedom Convoy cleared out. Two-thirds back in February. Two-thirds back now. Who did, the, who did the poll back then? Oh, back then it was 1,500 Canadians were polled and two-thirds said they want the convoy to end. Now, as per the spin of the day, uh, it's two-thirds... Of 1,025 Canadians polled. Here's the article, actually. We can do this. Majority of Canadians favor emergencies invocation polls. Let me bring this up so that we can read this. And then, we don't need to go too far into it. They got the headline. Federal government's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act to end last winter's protracted anti-government, anti-vaccine mandate protests is largely supported by Canadians. According to a new poll, we're not telling you what to think. We've done a poll by Nanos 
after, and, and listen to how they frame it now, because it was six, allegedly two thirds, 66% supported invoking the Emergencies Act. My, my left butt cheek, I believe that, but whatever. It was two thirds back in February. They've got to frame it now as though after six, week of, uh, six weeks of inquiry, Canadians have been convinced at the legitimacy of the invocation of the act. After six weeks of intense scrutiny at the inquiry into the invocation of the act, the government appears to have emerged unscathed, according to a Nanos research poll for the Globe and Mail. For the Globe and Mail. I don't know what portion of the $600 million bailout for print media the Globe and Mail got. I'm not sure if they have any print media. Uh, I'm not sure how many millions of dollars the Globe and Mail got for COVID advertising throughout COVID. I'm not sure how many millions of dollars the Globe and Mail got for other government ads. Uh, I don't know in what way the, me the, the government has buttered up the buns of the Globe and Mail, but the Globe and Mail, which if, it's, if it hasn't received direct bailout from the 600 million for print media, and I don't know if they have or have not, something of a nuanced uh, point to research, uh, I don't know how much they've received for COVID ads coming from provincial and federal level governments. I don't know how much they've received for government ads in general. They mandated Nanos and Nanos came to this conclusion. But the poll also hints at some political risk for conservative leader Pierre Poilier, who publicly supported the protests. Oh, 66% of respondents either supported or somewhat supported the government's precedent-setting decision to invoke the Emergencies Act in response to the convoy protests that gridlocked the Capitol and jammed some border crossings. 34, whatever. Um, where does it say how many people did it? Here we go. The poll had 1,025 respondents. The Globe does not report the margin of error for online polls. An online poll of 1,025 respondents to allow to allow them to come to the conclusion that two-thirds of Canadians support it. We'll get, to the, we'll get to my punchline in a second. I was just looking this up. Let me just make sure that we're looking at the same thing here. And if it sounds incredulous, uh, or no, incredible to you and to me, well, apparently it was equally incredible to the people replying to the Globe and Mail article, because as you can see here, Andrew Coyne, Andrew Coyne, Posts, the replies to this are out of this world. Let's go see what the replies were. Majority of liberals favor the emergency. Okay, <laughs> polls fixed. You're welcome. There you go. Majority across the country. Wow. Not, not to, they're, they're, okay. Well. <laughs> Govern yourselves accordingly based on profile. Uh, majority of people in Ottawa. And then the person is spamming the chat with tea leaf. Okay, well, there we go. We got one thing. All this tells me is a majority of Canadians have been misled by the federal government and its media. CTV poll conducted show that three quarters of Canadians didn't support it because there was an online poll by CTV media that did show that three quarters didn't support it. And they pulled that bloody poll. They pulled the poll. I don't believe any of these polls. Oh my goodness. It's almost like the people are speaking and your bullcrap poll is getting called out on the internet, Andrew Coyne. So we don't need to go further unless we can find a screen grab. Oh, here we go. No. Someone can find the screen grab. Bullshit amplifier detector. Bullshit. <laughs> so more and more BS. Nice profile pic. Absolute nonsense. Defund the Globe and Mail. <laughs> Not reading it. 
<laughs> but that, okay. So those are the types of messages, replies, that Andrew Coyne is lamenting. Who's Andrew Coyne, you might ask? Andrew Coyne, explorer, founder of La Chine, seigneur of Cataratui. I don't know what any of this means, uh, discoverer of the mouths of the Mississippi. Did, did he change his profile? I, his profile picture, his profile earlier said something about him being involved with the Globe and Mail, but whatever, he's a columnist at the Globe and Mail. Maybe it didn't say it before, maybe it was on Wikipedia. I looked up his profile. I'm just replying to it. I say, maybe that should tell you something. A government-subsidized media conducting a poll of 1,025 to justify the government's constitutional overreach. But yeah, the replies are the problem, not your poll. This is, he's, he's Principal Skinner. Andrew Coyne, columnist for the Globe and Mail, is Principal Skinner. Uh, is it me that's out of touch? No, it's the kids. It's the kids. I just found something very funny. I, I just looked up his, his early life and education. Coyne was born in Ottawa, Ontario, the son of Meredith Cameron, Ness Stobie, and James Elliott Coyne, who was governor of the Bank of Canada from 1955 to 1961. His paternal great-grandfather was a historian and lawyer, James Henry Coyne. His sister is actress Susan Coyne. He is also the cousin of a constitutional lawyer, Deborah Coyne, who is the mother of Pierre Trudeau's youngest child. This, this strikes me as a little bit like from um, Spaceballs, like, I'm here, mothers, brothers, roommates, nephews, tennis coaches, you know, Repairman. He is also the cousin of Coyne, who is the mother of Pierre Trudeau's youngest child. Uh, very interesting family history, which might, you know, I, I don't know, it might explain a few things, but um, <laughs> did you pull an early line? Oh, no, not, not for that reason, if that's what you were thinking of. Some, I'll tell you the, the, the secrets of the internet. Some people go look up early life to determine other things that I was not interested in. I just wanted to know if he was a liberal, if he was politically connected. Uh, and it seems like the answer, as far as anybody can tell, is yes and yes on both, on both issues. But I had no idea how politically connected. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, is that, does that make him the, that makes him the uncle of one of Pierre Trudeau's children? Interesting. Nobody believes your polls, Andrew Coyne. The, the, the jig is up. The jig is up. Five dollar, five euro. What happened to the Carl Benjamin sidebar tomorrow at four o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock British time, the time of Britannia? Um, <laughs> so here we go. And we got um, Mike at Freedom Ho Honey. Viva, please reach out to Mark Mink, host of the Tango Romeo podcast. He's the vet spearheading the, vet, the investigation into vets being offered, absolutely. Screen grab that and done and done. Um, so that's the, uh, that's, 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 the, that's the poll. Let me just make sure that Barnes is, uh, email me the StreamYard link. Did I not send Barnes the StreamYard link? Oh, I'm such an idiot. People, hold on one second. I think I did, but it doesn't matter. Okay, Barnes is apparently waiting for the StreamYard link. Apparently, ich bin ein Moron. Uh, enter studio. Give me two seconds, peeps. Just going to make sure that Barnes can get in. Coming. Uh, enter studio. Now there's going to be two of me in the studio. This is going to get very confusing. Copy. Close. Leave. Okay, I'm still here. Going to go email Barnes. 
Robert, Link, et voila. I would explain why Robert's not yet in the house. Um, uh, do a hush-hush on McKinsey. Oh, you should do a hush-hush collab on the McKinsey firm. There was an article on Radio-Canada about them being everywhere inside Hydro-Quebec. There are certain things that I might not be able to do hush-hushes on because many of you out there may never, may not have known or might sometimes forget I was an active litigator in, in Montreal and Quebec and Canada. And um, I always err on the side of absolute neurotic cautiousness and don't, don't come close to breaching any, any problems. So yeah, there's, there's some things that I might have, I, I might've come across certain things in my practice that might preclude certain types of deep dives onto well-known Canadian entities. Uh, there are rumble rants, which I've been told to read. Barbisa Ariane, the truth matters more than your feelings, your opinions, and your preferences. In fact, it's the only thing that matters. Fast learner, $10. Oh, by the way, Barbara Arisa, that was a, that was a $10 rumble rant. Rumble rant. Fast learner, $10 rumble rant. CPAC also had a poll that was 90% against the EA, and it had thousands of responses. Do they forget that it gives you the results when you vote? $5 rumble rant from fake name three. Want to explain why channels with 10 live viewers and the DVR for Dur Show are on the front page, but neither you with, but not you with 6,000 or Rakeda, who has, when he has had over 8,000 for an hour up anywhere on the page? I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute any nefarious purposes to that fake name. I think that maybe they want to try to give everyone exposure. I don't know. I don't, I don't have that information, but I would not assume anything nefarious. But thank you for the rumble rants. I almost forgot the punchline, kick in the flipping teeth. So I decided, I know there are problems with the, the nature of the poll. EnviroCleanse gets one more view here. I know that there was, a, I know that there's potential problems with the nature of the poll, but I decided to run my own poll and I, and I had a great idea. Elon, you have to make geographic uh, preferences for polls. Uh, so, some people were saying, let me break down the poll results based on a slew of demographics. Um, geography, uh, profile preferences like male, female, age, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know how many of the uh, plugins or how many of the um, things that you would input yourself can be lied about or can be determined factually. Geographic preference or geographic location, I think, is something that would be difficult to falsify. And I think it would be something that would be very easy to incorporate as a criteria for a poll. If I do a poll and I only want to poll people in Canada, it should only be, you know, I should be able to have a little preference that says only make available to people in Canada for voting purposes. VPN might be an issue. I don't know how VPNs work. If you have a VPN and it falsely says Canada, from what I understand, there might be a way to identify VPNs, exclude them. But I did my own poll. How many views? Are, how many? We're at 8,962 votes thus far. Let's do our own poll. Canadians, do you support, somewhat support, somewhat oppose, or oppose? Those were, I, I, this was cut and paste of the question. Of uh, or oppose the government of Canada using the Emergencies Act in response to the Freedom Convoy protests. Please share from that. It's been shared 1,200 times and only has under 9,000 votes, which I think means people are actually taking it seriously, treating it respectfully, and not voting if they're not from Canada. I know that's an inherent flaw. 95.6% oppose. And there's no option for strongly oppose because I cut and pasted the question. 
Globe and Mail, Nanos, Andrew Coiney, you suspect. Okay, Barnes is in the house. I'm not going to keep him waiting for any longer than that. You suspect. And by the way, when I say you suspect, you're propagandist liars. Okay, Biggie Bonds is in the house. Let's do this. Robert, sir, how goes the battle? Good, good. Okay, you had, you had people nervous last week, and then I was thinking people were going to think something was really up when you couldn't make Sunday. What have you been up to? To the oh, ex- just a uh, range of stuff, a uh, family vacation, and then uh, uh, a, a surprise birthday party for a friend, and, and then uh, trying to settle a, cu- a couple of cases. Okay. What, what, successful at settling the cases or uh, to the extent? Uh, probably, have- probably. Good. Well, there's no, there's no rest for the wicked. So the, the, that's that. Robert, what was the, um, the, the, the pollsters, when we did the, the show with Barris and we were discussing some notoriously, I say corrupt or tainted, infiltrated pollsters in the States, which ones, do you remember which ones were like notoriously bad for being, uh, having been involved in scandal? And it's scared, depends on how you define scandal. I mean, I mean, almost all the pollsters outside of a few get a lot of revenue from either corporations or the, uh, the media. And consequently, they have been consistently biased in how they phrase things. I mean, like a classic example of this is Sean Trendy, uh, my friend who helps run the Real Clear Politics polling site that aggregates polling data across the country, pointed out this week. Uh, some years ago, back in the 90s, they misphrased the question. They had a double negative in a question about the Holocaust. So the media ran with the story, one out of five Americans denies Holocaust exists. When they properly phrase it, it was more like one in a hundred Americans are not sure. <laughs> but they just, they framed, so that that's how they really manipulate the polling more than anything else is how they frame the question. Uh, it's what my brother taught me when we were in debate in high school. Uh, he said, he who frames, he who uh, defines the terms wins the debate. Uh, so, for example, if you're out there saying uh, Barnes, uh, uh, you know, all he would talk about is Islamo-fascism in the debate with Nick Fuentes, <laughs> guess who won the debate, boys and girls? Now, of course, Nicky Boy was busy this week uh, getting folks and all kind of folks into trouble, including uh, Kanye himself. <laughs> Robert, I was just thinking it has been so long since we've seen the term Islamo-fascist in the chat. And now it's going to come back with, the, with a, a raging vengeance. And you know what? We're just going to go right to Rumble right now, so we don't get. We, we're, we're 26 minutes in. Everybody, head over to Rumble because we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. I, we don't want to talk about it too much, and not the purpose of it is not to make fun of Kanye. For I, I'm still convinced about what I'm convinced about, uh, but we're gonna talk about a few things because I think it's relevant. The link to Rumble is there. Everybody, head on over and uh, drop all the <laughs> drop all the chat you want to dr- drop there. Ending on YouTube in three, two, one. Heading over to Rumble. See you all there. 2,500 people should be migrating if they're so willing. See you there. Um, Robert, okay, we're, we're going to talk about it very briefly. Everyone has their opinion. Um, before we get into Nick Fuentes, Milo Yiannopoulos, and potentially some malevolent intentions there that are well-documented because it came out of their own mouths quite publicly, uh, what is your assessment of Kanye mentally, spiritually, um, and from a legal responsibility perspective do you think he's all there do you think it's a troll do you think he genuinely believes it or do you think he's um unwell i I think your explanation is the more likely one but i will proffer this alternative explanation uh based on what he said at the beginning of his conversation with tim pool so 
you know, what was on his mind about why is he entering politics? Why is he entering public life? Why is he escalating his uh, uh, inflammatory rhetoric? Why is he associating with, you know, hated and controversial figures like Milo Yiannopoulos and Nicholas Fuentes? Um, for those that don't know, with Milo, it was always controversial, but he was, you know, the, the conservative, flamboyant, gay conservative that uh, Steve Bannon and others helped sort of promote because he was, he's very smart, very erudite, very well thought out uh, uh, Englishman. But along the way, he got caught saying things about um, how kind of he appeared to approve of groomer activity within the gay community. In other words, uh, older gay men approaching minors, not minor, minor children, but minors still. In other words, 14, 15, et cetera, young teenagers that are not legally able to consent and uh, grooming them for gay behavior. He seemed to approve of that. That led his sort of to his expulsion from mainstream conservatism on his way out. He tried, uh, and, and, and in the last year or two ha- before that had occurred, he had been engaged in a wide range of blackmail activities, extortion activities, bragged about this online, uh, things like this. Lauren Southern has gone into some detail about how, what she had to put up with from Milo. So th- there's legitimate. And then after that, he gets kind of expelled, expelled, tries to make a comeback initially in kind of the, what's called the Groiper white nationalist community. Uh, these are a lot of young men who uh, were associated with Richard Spencer and then shifted to Nicholas Fuentes and then in part to Milo. Milo claimed to have converted away from being gay uh, and that he was now a very Christian advocate. And, and during this stretch, he was doing things like trying to get death threats against Dave Rubin, things of this nature. So th- there's a reason why some of us have been highly critical of any association with Milo Yiannopoulos for quite some time. I met him when Steve Bannon uh, invited me and some other folks up to the Republican National Convention in 2016. And uh, when I was there, I, my first reaction was, this guy is an unreliable, untrustworthy person. Now, uh, the other person the Kanye has been, uh, is been really at the link with, because apparently Kanye terminated Milo this past week, uh, purportedly because of Milo being Milo, uh, maybe for other reasons. <laughs> I, I had a joke because I, I had put out a tweet that said, if Kanye is sincerely uh, bigoted against the Jews, does he not realize that Milo Yiannopoulos is, if not if not Jewish, has Jewish ancestry? I had a bunch of people, I, I think, correcting me and that they said Milo was not being forthright about his Jewishness. Other people were saying it's only his father. So they're sort of uh, adhering to the traditional, if your mother's not Jewish, you're not Jewish. I don't, I don't even know what the truth is anymore. Does, do you know if Milo is either half Jewish, part Jewish, Jewish, or not Jewish at all? You said different things at different times, different people. So that's where the confusion arises. Um, but the, and so then it flipped over. Uh, the, so Nicholas Fuentes was a young Ben Shapiro wannabe in high school, uh, had a contract with the Right Side Broadcasting Network. Um, uh, that just didn't work. It just, he, he couldn't quite hit the Ben Shapiro style. It's tough to mimic that voice. Uh, that, you know, there would be one takeaway, but either way, he wasn't getting the, the audience he wanted, uh, saw that the growth of the Richard Spencer movement that had attached itself to Trump world in 2016 and attended that at Charlottesville. So he was there at Charlottesville with his Trump hat, trying to get photographed everywhere he possibly could, et cetera. Somehow he's in the middle of all that, never gets arrested or sued, but that's another story for another day. Goes back home to Boston University, where he promotes again, hey, look at me, everybody. I went to Charlottesville. Please do something about it so I can be a martyr and a victim and play that card and get some notoriety. 
Finally, it works. He gets a little bit of notoriety, starts to tap into the race grift market. And that's an old market. He learns all the anti-Jewish tropes. He knows them almost backwards and forwards. He learns how to communicate them in subtle, indirect language so that the hardcore haters know exactly what he's saying. But the average person can think that doesn't quite get what he's saying. He blames Jews for COVID-19. He blames Jews for uh, the Black Plague. He blames Jews for pretty much every single war. He blames, you know, there's something out there to blame Jews on. Nick Fuentes finds a way to blame Jews for it. While people email me and text me uh, that, oh, you, you misunderstood. It's like, no, 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 you haven't been paying attention or you don't know. Uh, so that's who he is. He's a, he's a race grifter, race hater. Uh, though I don't think he personally believes hardly any of it. Um, years ago, I debated him on Alex Jones's show because he kept complaining nobody would debate him and debated him on Israel and whether we should side with the Israelis or side with the Palestinians. My argument was in the geopolitical best interest of the United States to side with Israel over the Palestinians if, because that's our only practicable alternatives currently in the Mideast debate. People can sincerely disagree with that. To where I disagree with some friends of mine on the right, including Ben Shapiro and others who are critical of Max Blumenthal and others who are very anti-Israel, I think way over the top anti-Israel, but I don't think it's because he hates Jews that he's anti-Israel. Um, might be some daddy issues there with Sidney Blumenthal. You could argue about that if you wanted. Mark Robert might have a point or two there. But there's plenty of people that disagree with aid to Israel on grounds of why being involved, period. There's people who uh, you know, see Netanyahu wanting to get us involved in a lot of other wars in, in the Middle East, including Iraq and then now Iran, that have uh, a, a very understandable criticism. But I didn't believe that was where Nick Fuentes' criticisms came from. Uh, I believe his criticisms came from trying to tap the race grift uh, to get the race haters to send him money because that's all that's been a nice grift going on for a long time. So that's who Fuentes is. Um, and Fuentes exposed it. I was on with Alex Jones earlier today. Alex said, you know, I hadn't, I had been preaching this to Alex and I was like, I hadn't heard him say that until he's on the show. And then I was like, well, these people are nuts. And he starts, you know, he goes like, you, you might as well like to eat poo as much as to either be a commie, a fascist or like Hitler. Um, and the, I think, and he, Alex was frustrated by the perform by what happened. He's like, I wanted an honest conversation. I think Kanye's an interesting guy and I wanted to have an honest conversation about what he really thinks and where it comes from. Cause he's net. Jones is intensely curious, not only very historically literate, but also intensely curious. And he said he just wouldn't give it to me. He said, you know, he wore the mask the whole time. He's becoming a meme. Uh, he's because, and and I'll yeah. give you the alternative. I think the most likely hypothesis is yours, Viva. Uh, I've seen it a lot. If anybody's been around Hollywood, people, there, there's, anybody hits their late 40s, early 50s, Mark Robert could probably speak to it. Uh, they, they, there's about one out of three, one out of four that just flat out lose their minds. They just flat out lose their minds. So there, I, you can't rule that out. And that's probably the most probable explanation. Um, there is a backdrop of black Jewish hostility that relates to two things in America. One urban American democratic party politics, those competing for power disproportionately since 1955, 1960 is black and Jewish political groups, right? So in Atlanta, New York, Chicago, other places, that's where a lot of it is. It's like the Italians and the Irish or the Irish and the natives. And, you know, th that's an old contest, if you will. There's a bit of that. There's also a hostility within the music industry because in the film industry, uh, be, because as Dave Chappelle puts it, there's a, lot, there's a good number of Jewish people out there. Just say it, uh, as, as he puts it. You know, he's like, black people get together, definitely a gang. Italians get together, <laughs> definitely the mob. 
bunch of Jewish people get together. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about that. It's a coincidence, I, I and you can never where that joke comes from. But that's more sincere. That's not the I like Hitler nonsense and gibberish Kanye's been spewing. And he knows that. And so I'll, it's either he's lost his mind and, he's, and, he, and he got associated with an idiot like Fuentes and he, Fuentes is feeding him all this race grift nonsense and he's just running with it. Because uh, Fuentes is a smart kid. He, he's just a race grift. Um, the, or it's what he said at the beginning of Tim Pool. Because when he sets down, some, something has been on Kanye's mind. And it's what Kanye explained is that he, as accountants had explained to him, he didn't give the exact time frame that he owes at least $50 million in taxes. And he explained how they're coming after him potentially to put him in jail. And he even grabbed his arm about how that made him nervous. And then he bridged off to everything else. And I was like, well, you know, if I was Kanye, and I, it turns out I got a big tax problem, criminal tax problem, what case would I look up, right? Uh, is there a case out there, somebody famous, maybe even a black male celebrity famous, who was also accused of tax crimes, who walked, who mostly walked, didn't serve any real time. And like people out there say, Kanye would never do this because, you know, he's, he's losing a quarter of a billion dollar business potentially. Uh, if he's, to give people an idea, at $50 million, he's looking at 20 to 25 years in federal prison. He's looking at the end of, end of his practical. And, and if I can stop you there, first of all, is the, is the person you're thinking about, it's not Wesley Snipes. Okay. Now, That's second, exactly who it is. Because and I didn't if know you that... were to research. I mean, here you have a black male celebrity accused of tax evasion who mostly walked, who did two years at a minimum security work camp where he did taught yoga and created a video game. That's that. That's Kanye's exit strategy if he is facing twenty five years in federal prison. If he looked that up and only looked it up lightly, looked at the headlines, stuff like that, he would see a common quote, and the quote was uh, from our opening statement, which was, "If crazy was criminal." Half of Hollywood would be in prison. Now, that, that wasn't really the core of Wes's defense. It was that a lot of people were going to see crazy stuff, so we had to get ahead of the curve on that. But the core of the defense was a good faith reliance defense, which is unique to tax cases, which is I sincerely believed what I was doing uh, was legal. My guess is Kanye did indeed do a deep dive. If he did do a brief try, he'd be like, man. And then he may have heard of the famous New York mobster who dodged trouble for a good number of years by pretending to be crazy. He went out in his like thing and he did his, it. Was, it was a famous case of him pretending to be crazy uh, and it working for a substantial time period. So Kanye might be like, hey, what if I convince everybody I'm totally nuts? Then they'll probably just drop me as a criminal tax case. Probably just move on. It appears to work for Snipes. It appeared to work for that mobster guy. So the, the best alternative explanation I can give for Kanye's behavior being in his own self-interest and rational is that it's a massive guise of faking being crazy so he doesn't go to jail. Ta As we say in Quebecois, Robert, tabarnak, is that a damn good idea? If that's going to be a novel above and beyond the simple... My, my explanation, people in the chat in, in, on, on, on Rumble are saying he's playing 4D chess or played 4D chess and failed. He was just trolling. Yada. Mine is like grade three level um, hypothesizing. This is... This is a 4D level chess hypothesizing. And as that to say, like, if, you, if you're accused of or found guilty to owe like 50 million, it's not just a question of repaying the 50 million plus back taxes no. and interest and whatever. You would have been, that, they would have told them that right away. In the federal system, that, isn't, that doesn't get you out at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's kind of fascinating. And it's just, why bring it up on Tim Pool? Why bring it up at all? Like, clearly it's on the front of his mind. 
And Tim didn't know to pursue that. If I if I'd been right there, I'd have been like, mm, let's talk about that. It, well, it's true because if, if if even from my perspective, I heard it and I was like, oh, okay, he owes fifty million. Well, that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to the whatever half billion that he just lost. So maybe that's frustrating. But the idea is, it would be criminal, and therefore repayment is not an option, as per his own admissions or fantasies, depending on which way you see it. And guys like Kanye, because Wes was this way, think prison is like the movie Undisputed that he was in, Wes was in, but they think of it as hardcore because the people they know that are in prison are usually in state prison. Now, at that level, Kanye would be in a, in a, in a serious place, but not a too violent a place. That's mm-hmm. all more of a state. But for someone like them, it terrifies them. And he, what was interesting is he said later that it you know, really scared him for a bit. He, the way he gripped his arm showed that it was really ripping at him. And I was like, and nobody picked up on it. Like afterwards, like everybody was looking at, oh, he walked off the set, all the rest. They, 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 nobody picked up on that part of his conversation. And, and, and I think now let's say you, that's your script. You're like, I, I got to come across as crazy. I got to convince people I'm crazy. I, the reason I didn't pay taxes is because I thought the Jews were going to steal it all and kill all the black people. That's why I, I honest to God, I swear they, you know, something like that, whatever it is, some crazy script. And he's not getting the, the response he gets. People are taking him seriously at each place. They're like, he like this, is, this isn't working. Okay, I'll go on Alex Jones and get Alex to say, you're crazy. And then the world will understand, yes, I'm nuts. Uh, so I, you know, if, if, if there's a sophisticated play, that's it. Uh, and, Sadly, and, the reality may be he's just, he has just lost it. Well, that's, that's um, yeah. I, I, that's I don't believe he's a mean, no, Fuentes is a grifter. I get where he's doing. And for people that keep on a yipping for Fuentes, watch him when Kanye starts praising Hitler. Watch Fuentes' head go up and down. So I, the guy's I, I, a I, pure I, race grift, bottom of the barrel, David Duke wannabe. He should waste his time chasing little boys in furry outfits that he likes to do. That kind of behavior. Uh, not you know, but Kanye has never given off, at least as I could tell, malevolent, malicious vibes. Well, he knew what he was doing when he was saying this ridiculousness about Hitler. So well, I, I hope there's a, I hope there's a, a, a wisdom behind all this. And that's my thing. Like it's like even even bona fide anti, like bona fide, sincere, genuine anti Semites don't act like that. Like I, I, it's not for lack of having run into people who are who genuinely harbor anti Semitic beliefs. They don't run around saying I love Nazis, I love Hitler. They don't do that. It, uh, no. and that, but now that you say this, Robert, and you, you put that in conjunction with his his latest Instagram post of, of accusing Elon Musk of being a half Chinese, uh, I, what's the word? Um, hybrid. Ha- hybrid is the word. I mean, it, it's I st- I still go with my 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 two D level interpretation. But my goodness, did you just uh, open my perspective as to what could be the case here? Um, Nick and people in the chat. I, I've I've heard enough of Nick Fuentes. I. I I don't. People can believe what they want. Yeah. The question really is: do, Does the speech of Nick Fuentes um, create risks for a real life violence, et cetera, et cetera? Well, that's, and what, that's a good transition into you know, was Elon Musk's? There's two different analysis for Elon Musk. Did he make the right decision for Twitter versus was his decision First Amendment consistent? Yeah, I'll skip the first one for now. It's not First Amendment consistent um, because what Kanye posted. Um, appeared to be a, a swastika inside a uh, Israel a, a Star of David. Yep. However, there's a wacky religious group that actually has transhumanist ties and is alien following that uses that symbol for completely different purposes. Because many people don't know, the Nazis stole the swastika. It was an old symbol that reflected a wide, and you find in other places and cultures long predating them. 
Now, who knows what Kanye was up to? And I get why Elon interpreted it the way he did. It's like that looks like and feels like a threatening kind of statement when I'm trying to get you to just chill out, bro. Um, but the so I get that part. But is it imminent? It, it, mere incitement to violence is not outside free speech. Well, I mean, it, it, was it was it incitement is was it even mere incitement? But let's let's. Yeah. Let, um, and by the way, it's, it's the Rallien. Uh, I talked about it briefly a few days ago. It's, it, they actually settled in Quebec. The guy came from France, set up a... Really? Yeah. It was, it's a, All it's, the crazies come from Quebec. Well, he came from France. He came from Europe beforehand. So ended up in Quebec and it was the Raelian symbol. Um, but Robert, let's, we're, we're going to back up to another step here. We've discussed it before. We'll discuss it again. And it's what David French is busy talking about on Twitter as relates to the Twitter files and the underlying question, does the First Amendment even apply in the context of Twitter, either sanctioning other people's content or uh, imposing uh, suspensions and whatever? Does the First Amendment even apply as a concept? It's a private entity imposing its own rules on users. If the, setting aside any form of government involvement, which we're going to get to with, with the Twitter files, I mean, does the question even get asked i mean it's, it's not a first amendment violation because the first amendment has nothing to do with a private company imposing rules on kanye two different things there my own view is uh that yes it is a first amendment subject to first amendment scrutiny because it has monopoly power over the public square so that's always been my position is that the first amendment uh, does apply to private actors in certain contexts one of those contexts is when they have a de facto monopoly over the public square or some part thereof, Twitter does. They have, uh, in that particular kind of space, compared to Parler and Getter and Truth, they have well over 70% of market share. And so now the courts have not adopted that position uh, outside of very limited circumstances. California has only applied it to like malls, and the U.S. Supreme Court has only applied it to company towns. Uh, they haven't. Uh, I think the logic should extend, but they've refused to extend it. Now, so then the position is what Elon said, which was it's not a First Amendment violation if Twitter does it. It is a First Amendment violation if the government asked Twitter to do it. I think that's right. Now, the degree of government involvement, courts have been inconsistent about how much they're requiring. Is it merely request? Is it coercive? Is it uh, inducement? Is it uh, is it an actual order? so on and so forth. And we're seeing, you know, I mean, the, we saw you know, the Fauci's deposition was released uh, today. I'm going to do a highlighted version and post it up at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. And so, and also I even got, you know, where did Hitler really come from? A little hush hush that I did that's currently up at vivabarneslaw.locals.com may surprise some people who was originally backing Dear Adolf. Uh, and where he actually came from. Uh, it wasn't the public democracy that put uh, Adolf in power. It wasn't the public will of the Germans, two-thirds of whom never voted for Hitler who put him in power. It was somebody and some uh, other individuals. But the uh, So I think that the if Twitter does it by itself under the current court's jurisprudence, it will not be considered uh, First Amendment violative. What is shocking by the other depositions being taken in the Twitter files, and this will be a good transition to that topic, is the degree to which the government has been colluding, conspiring, coordinating, coercing uh, Twitter to suspend. So I don't think his suspension of, e of Kanye is First Amendment consistent. It's not. What Kanye did was not imminent incitement. 
It was sufficiently vague to be subject to multiple interpretations. Someone couldn't even sue for defamation on the basis of it because it's so vague and subject to varying opinions, uh, the, the symbol being did, uh, used. I get why Elon did it. Elon took it as uh, and, and, you know, a shove off to Elon. And he was like, well, I'm not going to keep defending you if you're just going to keep escalating in ways that create a nightmare while I'm trying to take over to, to transition this company into a more transparent space. But from a first amendment perspective, nothing Kanye did violated uh, law that's unprotected by the first amendment. Well, my, my issue is setting aside first amendment issues from a terms of, from a community guidelines or terms of service. It's not even clear what rule it broke. It's yeah. I mean, the, uh, the APEC logo for the APEC summit in 2022 in Thailand has us, the, 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 the form in it, it's called the Hockenkreutz, which is the older version or the, the original term for what the Nazis um, co-opted as the swastika. And I knew that whole history. Um, that, the Hockenkreutz in the APEC, APEC 2022 summit, it looks exactly like uh, another form. No one's going to take that as a threat. And then in which case is Elon imputing suggested threat into it, in which case it's very subjective and not objective whatsoever. Yeah. But um, when, when uh, we'll get to Fauci actually in a second, because the different levels of government involvement, as relates to the Twitter files, the, uh, the you know the Friday night fiasco, not a fiasco, but the um, feeding frenzy on the internet. Um, French's position, and I guess in law he's probably more right than wrong, is that well he says it's not only not a First Amendment violation. It's uh, the exercise of the First Amendment by a private company doing X, Y, and Z. My question is, okay, yeah, you have a provision for coercion. When the government coerces a private entity into action, it can be, it, it can and will be deemed to be a First Amendment violation issue. Um, I, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the case law in the States, but I suspect French might win on the merits of this just because when the FBI comes and says, watch out for censorship, uh, you don't want to have any problems, and then you, and then you, adhere to their warnings well nobody was coerced nobody was nobody was bribed nobody was threatened but i think most people would say that there's something of a veiled threat in there what is the threshold how much has it ever been tested under american law the idea of bribery the idea of suggested coercion suggested extortion suggested threats because when the fbi sits zuckerberg down he says yeah they sit me down and i take it seriously it's it's the fbi and so i act accordingly that's Indirect coercion. I mean, has, has it ever been recognized under U.S. constitutional law? Yeah, it has in a multiple context. So inducement can be considered government action sufficient to bring it within the First Amendment scrutiny. And coercion has been. For example, the case that's currently pending that's disclosing all this discovery, the court found that the, the two state governments sufficiently alleged that the government had ordered, coerced, or induced uh, a, a various suppression and censorship of speech that violated First Amendment rights. So the uh, and and at least sufficient to get to the discovery stage of the case. So that that live case is proof of that. The uh, the one of the big cases that went up was the Bantam Books case. So that was an agency that wanted a book to be banned, wanted certain materials to be banned, but didn't have the power to do it at all. And yet the U.S. Supreme Court said that was sufficient government action to constitute uh, grounds to sue. So uh, there's a suit. Robert Kennedy has a case going up against Elizabeth Warren, going up into the Ninth Circuit about her threatening Amazon if they went and published his book. We'll see. We'll find out. You know, courts have courts have tried to water that down since then uh, to allow the government to do a lot of illicit activities. But the government's been clearly lying about a lot of this. I mean, what the FBI agent admitted was they had weekly meetings recommending certain people be taken down. 
if you're any if you're any private company, do you really ignore the FBI that can put your executives in prison, or do you just do whatever they tell you? I mean, I mean, it's, you know, that's where David French is in delusion. Now, I personally uh, am not for corporations having the same rights as individuals. I don't that that's contra to America's founding history. Corporations were specially chartered, privileged entities that got special immunities for its founders and investors and its employees in exchange for certain obligations that were distinct. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not the corporate whore that David French is. Um, when he's not busy being a war whore, but the uh, uh, but his obsession with the free as as the Fifth Circuit pointed out, there's limits to that uh, that that ability, and when it is and isn't really necessarily their speech that is even at issue uh, in many contexts. So there's a lot of rebuttal of it because but if he was right, then all the laws prohibiting Western Union were are are violate the First Amendment. All the laws limiting utilities violate the First Amendment. All the laws limiting phone companies violate the First Amendment. Uh, French has not given or been able to articulate a standard that says, yes, it's okay to regulate their speech, so-called speech, when they censor or, or can't censor. But somehow it's uh, horribly offensive. I mean, who knows how much he's really getting, whether he's getting paid money directly or indirectly. Well, but, he, but he's living under the same veiled threat. If you don't toe the line, you get excommunicated or worse. But the, the idea, he says, it's 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 not a First Amendment issue. It's a private company exercising their their their, their freedom of speech to censor. D- ignore it's it's either ignoring or pretending it doesn't happen because it wasn't totally fleshed out in the Twitter files uh, release. It was in the Intercept article. They, they've admitted sitting down with Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft, big tech, weekly flagging users, flagging posts, flagging content, and then to pretend. That if the FBI sits you down or potential regulators or uh, who was it? Manchin says uh, uh, we're going to investigate your company if you start doing this. I mean, that is the government coercing action of a private entity to, 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 to pull it against individuals. The other question, Robert, actually, now that I, before I forget, French's argument is that the DNC is a private political party, private political entity, therefore not a branch of government, not an arm of government. And therefore, even if the DNC comes in and says, hey, Twitter, would you take that down? And Twitter complies. That's not First Amendment uh, coercive state action. Something about that seems unpalatable to me, but I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, it'd be the DNC is a private organization and can do what they want to a certain degree. Uh, that, that issue has come up in the election context quite frequently. So, for example, the, when the Democratic Party in Texas and, uh, and other the southern states was creating all-white Democratic Party caucuses and thereby dictating who could get the Democratic Party ballot, then uh, court, the court ultimately interfered and said that wasn't purely private action like they claimed. So, again, it's, it's not always cri- – with these organizations that have deep ties to elected officials, help create elect- – et cetera – how when exactly they're purely private and uh, not purely private is not an open and shut question the way he presents it as. Okay. Um, and now I, I didn't I haven't seen the Fauci the Fauci stuff at all, but you know people are hypothesizing if if the Twitter files released the the government involvement in the Hunter Biden story, it's going to be exponentially worse as to their involvement in censoring COVID misinformation disinformation what what were the, i mean in as much as you've gone through it what were the highlights well there's and there's overlap so the the same guy involved in russia gate the general counsel to james comey jim baker 
was also the general counsel for Twitter coordinating the suppression of the Hunter Biden story. And then you have the overlap of FTX, which according to Elon Musk, he believes FTX gave over a billion dollars to the Democratic Party, laundering money for the war in Ukraine, laundering money to attack ivermectin, laundering money to support censorship of COVID, laundering money to get special Democratic get-out-the-vote operations, uh, laundering money to create various fake sites. Then you have the Secretary of State of Arizona governing her own election for governor, who is secretly conspiring with Twitter to remove her critics and people exposing election fraud in Arizona. So it goes deep, it goes broad, it goes wide. The biggest disclosure to me, Fauci apparently pled, I don't know, almost as many times as Hillary did. So it was like 179 times. Imagine if Alex Jones had said, I don't know, 179 no, times. The, the they would have locked him up. Uh, not, not just given the default judgment. They would have put him in prison, said he committed perjury, uh, obstruction of justice. But Anthony Fauci, this high-ranking government official, can't even answer where his emails came from, can't even answer what he knew at certain time periods, can't, couldn't even give one single study to justify anything he ever did during his deposition. It is an embarrassment to public health. And then you find out the FBI, high-ranking FBI officials were the lead people suppressing the Hunter Biden story and other stories which comes out of both the deposition discovery and comes out of the Twitter files. The FBI was the lead at getting these things crushed and quashed. And it helped that they had their high ranking coup plotter from 2016 as the legal counsel, uh, general legal counsel of the Twitter. Robert, I mean, there's, this, there's a lot to un uh, unpack there. One thing I want to unpack before we forget about it, uh, the laundry. I mean, Elon has suggested a billion dollars through FTX through various, so there's the, there's the 40 million from uh, SBF himself that he donated. If it's not 90% of it, because that was the one of the figures I saw, it was the full 40 million. Two other executives, something like 30 some odd million. Then you've got the mind, the gap that his mother, his mother's entity, get out and vote, which apparently raised 140 million. Are you familiar with the interplay between FTX and its various organizations and how they, and their involvement with, the raising of 140 million for mine the gap if there is any because I, I was under we, the impression that we, go for it yeah i was saying we don't know uh because it was what this is what people can track in public filings so that what they can't track is all the dark the shadow money the dark cash and the money that was uh, filtered through multiple entities like people are trying to figure out warnock in georgia has apparently got tons of donations from unemployed people in washington the state of washington and it's like, why is that? That looks like it could be laundered donations. In other words, someone else is really making those donations and laundering in other people's names to stay under the limit. Um, so the, uh, but I think Musk's uh, belief is not without uh, uh, justification. That you, if you have a scenario where you know uh, 200 million or so went in combined that you can track and trace, uh, suggesting a billion is just that that's the that there's four times of that that was in the shadows is highly likely. And, and so this is this would be one of the biggest. I mean, Nixon got into trouble for taking fifty thousand dollar donations. This is a billion dollars laundered in that implicates both covid suppression censorship and implicates Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian conflict and whether government money was even part of this. And so the and, and this is a guy who was protected by the FTC. Uh, CFTC protected by the uh, the SEC 
uh, protected by the White House, had high-end meetings with all three, including the head commissioner in, in different places at different times, and still hasn't been arrested and is uh, still uh, and is giving interviews all over the place. And the New York Times and the US are, are writing puff pieces, puff pieces about them. They, they basically, Democratic Party found themselves a Bernie Madoff to launder uh, maybe a billion dollars to to Democratic campaigns to salvage off the defeat in 2022. And in the process, they covered up for this guy. And then now they're going to use his own corruption to go after Bitcoin, a competitor to the central bank digital currencies and the central bank currencies in general. So it, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a deep state money laundering machine that makes BCCI look like it was amateur hour. Robert, I'm going to pull this up just to show everybody here. This, I mean, it's, it's, it would be a joke if it weren't so damn serious. Rep Maxine Waters, we're looking at the same thing. I found my tweet made it into another article today. Rep Waters says, <laughs> SBF Sam Benjamin Freed, uh, underscore FTX. We appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX. They're, they're thanking this guy for his candor when he has text messages with that uh, journalist admitting that he lied for PR purposes. They're thanking him for, for his candor. Your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and others. To that end, we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. This is Maxine Waters, not a parody account. Maxine Waters invited. We'd love, thank you for your candor. Would you be so kind? I mean, if only Steve Bannon got this treatment or Roger Stone. He replies to her, Rep Waters and the House Committee on Financial Services. Once I have finished learning and reviewing what happened, I would feel like it was my, I would feel like it was my duty to appear. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, before the committee and explain. I'm not sure that will happen before the 13th, but when it does, I will testify. To which I said, you know, oh, that, that'll be good enough for Rep. Max Waters. When you're ready, Sam, take your time. Take your time. You've been very good to Democrats, like delightfully good. And here's uh, one report where 39.7 million SBF donated in 2022 alone, apparently 10 million in 2020. Uh, his mother's entity down there, Barbara Freed has something to do with the Democrats as well. According to a report in the New York Post, she's a law professor at Stanford and co-founded the Democratic Action Committee Mind the Gap, which has raised $140 million this election cycle, uh, which is something like, I think it's sevenfold what it was the last election cycle. Uh, he'll, he'll get around to testifying whenever he gets the chance. Robert, the COVID laundering stuff, I haven't been able, I mean, I, I could see some of it, that the idea behind that is that Sam Benjamin Freed, through FTX org, they started philanthropic not-for-profits or charitable organizations who were funding, uh, I don't know, grants, financing, awards, whatever, research. And from what I've been told, but I haven't been able to verify this with my own eyes, so I remain not skeptical, but I, I would not repeat it as fact, um, apparently was funding studies that were used to discredit other... Um, other treatments, early treatments that have been discredited. Do, do you have any firsthand knowledge of those allegations? Yeah, it's definitely the case that he was suppressing ivermectin uh, and, and, and in censoring access to ivermectin, which, again, is the was the most affordable, most effective early prevention treatment available. Um, but, you know, it wasn't on it, it didn't it line up any drug company mass profit. So that's why it got suppressed and it deterred vaccine development, in fact, legally precluded it from being developed. Uh, because there was no emergency need for it if ivermectin worked. And so thus, there was a massive campaign against ivermectin. 
uh, that people like Alec Berenson and others were happy to campaign and be part of that campaign as well. Uh, so the, uh, but yes, there, there was direct money for there. No question. He came on my radar screen uh, a few months ago when Politico did a front page cover story about the secret big democratic donor and how his whole obsession though was to be on both sides because he was, they didn't say he was doing any of this for crypto. They said he was doing all of this to stop the next pandemic. So he had his brother running a big anti-pandemic. So a lot of money funneled through there. And then his aunt sits on the world economic forums, uh, public health response. So, I mean, you, you couldn't get more deep state than this kid. And most of the people that were aligned with him and everything about it screams this was a deep personal deep state piggy bank serving uh, deep, deep state causes. And how far and it's amazing. Well, FTX is not being investigated. They're still harassing Trump. It shows you the insanity and imbalance of what's taking place. Robert, uh, someone in the, uh, pa uh, Pamela Walker. Hold on. I just don't want to get I missed the rumble rant. Um, Pamela R. Walker. Good. I remembered. Uh, asks, do you think Elon is in danger? And what about whatever? Is happening between him and the government before all of, by the and what about whatever was happening between him and the government before this? But Robert, l let me just pull up uh, an article because I, I love it. There are some blue check marks on the interwebs who always cry about the mean private DMs that they get. Now laughing at Elon Musk suggesting that the claims Elon Musk claims risk of his assassination is quote quite significant. Uh, and and there and there's people I, I won't say what's in their profile pictures or bios or descriptions, but it, it fits the bill, are now laughing at this. Um, your, yeah, your well, the way Musk put it is he wasn't going to be doing any open-air parades anytime soon. So the uh, uh, there's definitely that risk. Uh, and some people asked, is there a connection on our locals live chat at vivabarneslaw.locals.com? To answer quickly the three questions there. First one, uh, the is there any connection between Berenson and FTX? Uh, three, yeah, I'll give you one. It's it, it also has three letters in it, like SBF's name. Uh, it's called CIA. Uh, that that's the connection between the two. If you dig in a little bit, the uh, could uh, Kanye have other defenses like a reliance on accountant defense? Absolutely. The impression I got was that he hadn't done a deep dive on that for some reason. I don't know why, but because uh, again, if he did dug in, you know, Snipes wasn't acquitted of most of the charges against him and all the felonies half the misdemeanors because of uh, being crazy, quote unquote. It was because he asked questions and the government didn't answer. The, and then the, uh, the crazy part was to deal with certain statements made that uh, a jury might interpret as crazy. The, uh, and, th and that was a great line, by the way. You know, if crazy was criminal, half of Hollywood would be in prison. That was just beautiful. I, I still love that line. I came up with it. That's why I love it. <laughs> but the, uh, and to the third question... Uh, any consequences for Fauci or or any of these people that are getting caught in the uh, probably not for them personally, legally, but there may be it may lead to a court issuing further orders uh, to prevent the government from doing what it's been up to. in that suit brought by the attorney generals of Louisiana and Missouri, one of whom that attorney general from Missouri is about to be in the United States Senate, Eric Schmidt. So credit to him for pursuing these cases. Uh, amazing. Let me, um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pull up a couple of rants on Rumble and then I'll do the rest uh, tomorrow because I got a bunch. You know what? No, forget it. I'll do them all. I'll do them tomorrow because I can't pull them up in, in the order in which they came. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so Sam, ben, Sam Bankman-Fried will testify when he's good and ready. There's been no arrest, no, no, no extradition, no nothing. No, no seizure of assets. No seizure of assets. I mean, if this was a, a Trump scam, 
then they, they would have locked up. They would have locked up Trump already. But you can guarantee they would have seized all the assets. They're seizing his assets for not defrauding anybody in New York. And here, nobody has. There's been no effort that I'm aware of for them to seize any of his assets. I get he's filed in bankruptcy, so theoretically that freezes things, but that doesn't seize things legally. It's amazing the U.S. government is is completely asleep. It's because they don't want to dig into wherever it is he this takes them. Uh, that's enough uh, to give you a black pill, Robert. Um, so we got a big case of the Supreme Court about speech. Oh, so this is this is a, 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 a very interesting one. This is like the sequel to that 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 poor. And I'm saying the poor Baker. I forget in what state they were in. Colorado. Uh, or, Colorado. Well, they were they were being told bake bake my cake, paint my fence. This is like 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 Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons. Um, that old that that cake baking scenario. Robert, I just, I just don't understand why the Supreme Court decision didn't resolve that the last time. Way back in the day, back in the early days of the vlog, the car vlogs, there was the case of the bakers who refused to bake a cake uh, with a, 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 a specific message for a homosexual couple, I believe, getting married. Yeah, it was gay marriage. He gay would marriage. do any kind of cake, just he wouldn't do a gay marriage cake. They, they would sell any existing cake they had in the, in the shop. Uh, the, 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 the patron said, we want this cake with this message. They said, we're not putting that message on. It, it, it goes against our beliefs. Th- that case, I remember this is like, this is the early stages of the Viva Red Pill. Uh, when I discovered the dishonesty in the reporting on that case, where they were saying it, discrimination, they refused to serve a gay couple. And I was like, I read, it's like, am I, am I, I feel like I'm going crazy. Cause I'm like, that's not what happened at all. It was the idea that they refused to put on a specific message, be mandated to create a specific work. But ultimately, their defense was was upheld. I forget. I, I'm not f- fully familiar with what happened afterwards because they were targeted again for uh, a, a different religious reason. Is that that's not the one that's currently going to the Supreme Court? State no, state of Colorado though. Okay. So, so somewhat similar to web designer, and so uh, she just won't design web pages that promote messages she disagrees with, and so Colorado has, has called that discrimination. That now that they get to have state coerced speech under the guise of anti-discrimination laws. Now, she hasn't discriminated against anybody. She didn't say, hey, because you're gay, I won't serve you. Nothing like that. If a straight person came and said, I want this particular message on my website, she would say, no, I don't promote that particular message. If this case is, uh, if Colorado's law is affirmed to give people an idea, Nazis could seek out, neo-Nazis in America could seek out Jews in America and demand they promote and put up and design a Nazi website, a Holocaust denial website. They could seek out survivors of the Holocaust, like the Nazis did in 1978 and marching through Skokie, Illinois. Had Why Skokie, Illinois? It was the highest concentration of Holocaust survivors uh, in, in America. That's why they picked it um, the, uh, and, and forced them to do it. That, that's how outrageous this is. This is Colorado showing what... California looks like just a little bit with, you know, add a few mountains. And to me, it's clear First Amendment violation, but there are some disturbing questions from the left uh, leaning justices today on the Supreme Court. And before we even get there, my, my question about the, the Colorado Baker is I, I thought that went to the Supreme Court and resolved the it issue. Did. It okay. did, but they didn't, they made it fact specific. They said because they said this and said that. And okay, so and that they should, they should have. Ended it there, but they didn't. So they're going to have to take this case to stop this. Okay, and, and this one is about someone who wants a web page set up. I think it's for something related to tr- – is, is, is it related to trans ideology? I think something like I, that. I think it, it, the, the specifics are – but Robert, the specifics might be relevant for one reason. Um, because I imagine – like I was trying to think of an analogy. 
if I went to this place and said, make me a, a, a cake that says, I hate my, I, I hate my mother. Something, I, I, I'm trying to think of something PG-13. And they say, no, I'm not doing that. That's a terrible message. Get the hell out of here. No one would ever blame them. The issue is going to be, they're going to, they're going to say, I'm asking them to put in a message of a protected class, a message relating to a protected class. So your analogy of the Nazis asking a Jew to make a, I don't know, I, I don't want to say anything really bad, um, to make a cake that says, uh, I, I love, <laughs> Kanye could ask them to make the cake. The court could say, that's not a protected religious uh, gender expression, et cetera, ideology. So private actors can be compelled to make certain speech when it pertains to protected classes, but not when it pertains to just non-protected messages that they find offensive. And that's what they should clarify has never been part of the law, the First Amendment. The First Amendment does not allow the state to compel speech ever, period. doesn't matter how you know, uh, right someone might think that speech is. Uh, so that that's not part of and no one has a First Amendment right to force someone to do so either. So the the anti-discrimination laws were supposed to be I, you don't deny me access to a service because of some protected position. Um, that's very different than coerced speech. You now have to give the speech that I like because I'm part of a protected class. That the latter has never been part of it. That's what the court should be made clear. The liberal justices clearly couldn't understand that distinction. I mean, uh, KJB or KBJ, whatever it is, she sounds like an idiot on the bench, frankly. She clearly, this will be, she'll probably end up like Kamala Harris, our dumbest vice president ever, which is saying something when you had people like Dan Quayle and others. But the, uh, now, now you're going to, yeah, I, she may end up being with the, one of the dumbest Supreme Court justices we've had because she made a comparison to It's a Wonderful Life that made zero sense. That it, like at the end of it, she asked a question that doesn't relate to the stats. She says, well, what about it's a wonderful life? And I uh, because they all the kids in that movie are white. Well, uh, by the way, it was a black and white film, but OK, uh, all the kids in that film are, are white. I make some mem- mem- uh, photos that all the kids are white and I and I only sell them to white kids. Is that, you know, a uh, it's like, well, OK, that's a totally different scenario. You're only selling them to white kids. You're discriminating on who you sell. It's like that has no anal- has no analogy at all. In fact, it appeared to believe that she thinks it's a wonderful life is a secret white supremacist <laughs> message. That's how nuts this. That's well, how Robert, nuts be, you know, I always said judges look like the person who put them there. And that's what we're going to get. We're going to get lunatic lefty types uh, who are really, really dumb, just like Joe Biden uh, on the bench, it appears. And just so everybody's clear, when Barnes says looks like ideologically, intellectually, because I. I, I was reading some of the comments as well. The idea that they were analogizing it to saying, well, what we're going to, we don't want to live in a world where people can refuse to serve to gays, to blacks, to Jews. It's like, that's not, it's not even the question at issue here as, as the other, whoever's arguing the opposite. In fact, said, what they don't realize is they're actually making that uh, legal that someone, the state could coerce that the state could say, uh, if, uh, for example, it, it could be considered a religious statement being anti-Jewish. Right now, you can coerce it. I mean, this is it's an insane speech. There's always been a difference between equal access to services and compelled speech. Those two things are totally different. The left tried to conflate them. They did that. They're completely distinguishable. I think the Supreme Court will draw a hard line, make it clear you cannot coerce speech under the guise of protecting uh, protecting certain groups from discrimination in essential services. Yeah, what's it? What's it going to be, Robert? Six three five four. I mean, is, is it going to be six three? 
know, I maybe mean, Roberts will say something grandstanding as a concurring opinion or whatnot, but uh, but the uh, the majority will be uh, they didn't take it unless they planned on reversing what Colorado was doing. Okay, I mean it's 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 it, to me it's black and white. Uh, like like it, yeah, I mean it, it couldn't be the, it, the idea is nobody's being denied any service. You want a template for a website, take it. You want to put your own message, do it. But you're going to make me perform a specific act for you, which I don't believe in. Yeah, take what we have, and if you don't like it, goodbye. Nobody's being denied service. Period. Exactly. Um, all right. What is that? What does that segue into, Robert? I I know which one I want to talk about eventually. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Seditious conspiracy, Robert. They're batting a hundred. They're batting, I don't know, they're batting 99 because there was that one lucky schnook who got off because he got a judge that said, yeah, when the cops wave you in, uh, Rhodes, Oath Keepers, and his other partner, uh, it's not the first time in American history, but damn well close that someone's convicted of seditious conspiracy. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time. They, they, the first time they came around was Alien and Sedition Acts, early by the Federalist types. Uh, in the early uh, uh, in John, under John Adams and the Thomas Jefferson and the Jeffersonians quite correctly rejected it. And they said this was a, you know, a patent violation. It was misused and abused to target political critics and opponents. And when Jefferson got in, he pardoned and commuted a bunch of sentences and uh, and got got rid of those laws. So they were not on the books anymore. Tried little bits of it during the Civil War. The next big effort was during World War I, where they locked up a congressman from Milwaukee, Victor Berger, locked up uh, Eugene V. Debs for just giving a speech opposing the war. Uh, so they, they did the Palmer raids in the name of it, deported a bunch of people. So that's why, that's how J. Edgar Hoover got his, got his start, was through the sedition laws. And they were controversial at the time. They have always been used to target political speech. Uh, they're basically old school criminal libel statutes that say you can't criticize the government. That's what they really are. And that's what uh, Stuart Rhodes was convicted of, because I think they found him not guilty of doing anything actually obstructive. Um, and this was a lefty D.C. jury, which means the evidence was so bad, there was no evidence they could convict on those grounds. And convicted him on seditious conspiracy, which means they convicted him based on speech, based on text. And tw- it's ridiculous. I mean, th- this is uh, it's. The sedition laws should be struck from the books. They've always been problematic. They've always been weaponized against political dissidents. They've always been used to cover up corruption in government. They have no business being on the books. Thomas Jefferson was right. They're foreign and anathema to American liberty and constitutional republic. Uh, but, you know, their particular application here with a biased jury pool, with a corrupt group of prosecutors who hid evidence of the, how many FBI agents were, had infiltrated, how many rats and informants. Uh, were part of the operation around this. Uh, the evidence at trial didn't support any of the allegations that the Oath Keepers were leading any effort to overthrow the government. That's absolutely absurd. They actually protected people that were there. They protected Capitol Police that were there. Many of them tried to mitigate any consequences. That's why you get these wild verdicts. This is, you know, like, rather than just rubber stamp convictions, the evidence was so overwhelming that even a bunch of lefty juries were like, well... Well, well, we won't convict him of everything. That will show we're not total frauds. And, and and three other defendants did not get convicted on seditious conspiracy. Uh, before we even get into the infiltration of the FBI or intelligence law enforcement into this seditious conspiracy, despite their statements that they had no advance warning anything was going to happen, get there in a second. Um, if you know, is my understanding correct? Despite all of this, they got their seditious conspiracy charges. Now they've got their conviction. 
Seditious conspiracy and insurrection are two separate criminal charges. Seditious yeah. conspiracy relates to words and planning, and insurrection results or relates to actual violence committed in the attempt to overthrow. I'm not wrong about that, correct? Right, no, correct. Okay, and, and so and there's no insurrection charges that have ever been brought here. So, despite the fact that some uh, liars out there are still referring to this as an insurrection, and then citing the now they have their conviction for seditious conspiracy under their belt. Two separate charges, one of which is seditious conspiracy basically is words and planning. Insurrection would have been actual violence in the attempt to overthrow. Um, okay, good. I feel smarter as a result of that, and I can not have to go back and clarify a tweet. This is the bigger point, Robert. I, I believe it became known during the trial that Rhodes, Oath Keepers, had been infiltrated long before. I mean, they had they infiltrated. Again, there's a little bit of the Whitmer question as to how much of this is actually spontaneous creation from the accused and how much of this is sort of egged on or, or exacerbated by the foilers. But the FBI said uh, they were caught off guard by the violence, the insurrection, despite the fact that they were allegedly and in fact had infiltrated this con seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government, knew about it. Um, Capitol Police understaffed as a result of COVID and whatever. Don't take the National Guard. Robert, how does one reconcile all... What is now evidence versus statements without coming to the conclusion that this was a setup from day one? They knew damn well it was understaffed, if not on purpose, by design, um, and it was a trap. How, how does one reconcile all of this to not come to that conclusion? It, it was the first ever hush-hush was that everything about this screamed inside job, that this was uh, – that there would be informants, infiltrators, instigators – uh, from the government and that the government wanted it to happen, uh, that the government actually wanted more worse things to happen. Uh, as Darren Beatty at the revolver keeps pointing out, no one has explained why they have never found the person who planted the bombs. The bombs were the ones the, the, that bombs that never went off, by the way, uh, bombs that were the pretext actually for the evacuation of Congress. It wasn't the rowdiness of the crowd outside. It was that they were told members of Congress were told that there were bombs inside the house and there weren't. Uh, to panic a whole bunch of people that then walked back their votes to challenge and contest the election. So the uh, it was it, it was designed, first of all, to prevent a I mean, that's the other irony here. All of these uh, people that they're accusing of crimes, they were trying to get Congress to do their job. They were not trying to stop Congress from doing their job. They wanted they were there that day to for Congress to exercise their constitutional authority and constitutional obligation to assure the election was done in a uh, cor constitutionally correct manner with serious allegations having been raised, including a case brought before the U.S. Supreme Court that they chose not to hear that was joined by uh, over 20 attorney generals and joined by uh, over 150 members of, the, of Congress. In that context, that was, it was their affirmative duty to investigate and inquire and that's all they were there for. And instead, and so it's a weird deal. It's like there was a conspiracy to force Congress to do its job. And so now they must all go to jail and prison for life. Uh, I mean, that that's really what's, it's the system's fear of it, but also the, uh, the, uh, the system's desire to marginalize those who challenged, questioned, and contested the election results by, uh, by associating them with violence and turmoil, which was deeply ironic given that that is what, in fact, they had been doing the whole summer before. Uh, all those people that did those riots outside the White House that led to more than 60 Secret Service agents and federal officials being hurt and injured. Remember the attacks on Rand Paul when he was trying to just walk out of a get a rally, a get together meeting. 
None of those people were ever prosecuted. In fact, many of them were written checks by the federal government. Um, and yet here people uh, that left their guns at home, that was their grand seditious conspiracy to leave their guns at home, go in unarmed to the Capitol and, and seize the government. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it's it's patently ludicrous. And the only people who can believe this are the nut jobs who listen to Rachel Maddow. I, for, I forgot to mention that whole part that they left their firearms, which they brought. I mean, I presume they bring firearms because they're legal in, you know, in America and they left them at the hotel. But they were they were, you know, they were planning to go back and get them if, if things got out of hand in their in their seditious conspiracy for insurrection. Um, Robert, the, so bullcrap. It, it goes to appeal. Yeah, but I mean, D.C. Court of Appeals um, is, is, is has been weak. So uh, the reality is uh, 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 the only two real remedies are the House opens up meaningful investigations and inquiries that exposes a lot of this misconduct by the Justice Department and by the Capitol Police and others now that they have control of the House. The other is that a new president get elected in 2024 who pardons him in 2025. That, no, that's, practically that's... speaking, it's unlike the U.S. Supreme Court may take up some of these cases, the sedition case, the obstruction case, to clarify the law on it. But they're too big a wusses to actually get meaningfully involved and invalidate the verdicts writ large. Because, and that's like, I, I, I've never practiced criminal law. I just know that overturning a jury verdict, on the, it's virtually impossible. The question yeah. is, was there a constitutional challenge for void, for vague? Oh, yeah. Of- there were challenges on the sedition laws and obstruction okay. laws not being applicable to this circumstance. So that, in my view, were legally valid that one court already has agreed with. So the, uh, the, they brought these charges when they knew the court they had would go along with it. And so the, that's the nature of the, and the government was, you know, parading and, uh, and a, Attorney General Garland personally went down and congratulated them on these bogus convictions. That, that, that uh, you know, meaningful inquiries against Garland should go all the way back to how he handled Oklahoma City. Because that was, you know, it's not a coincidence we have the same Attorney General talking about domestic insurrection and involved in questionable activities of questionable informants, hiding evidence related to it, et cetera wanting to use it as a pretext and premise to strip people's liberties, which Joe Biden was rec- was the one proposing the first Patriot Act back at the time, Oklahoma City. People forget that because it didn't pass at the time. Uh, it came back after 9-11, quite conveniently. Um, so the, uh, but yeah, it's, these are outrageous cases that make a mockery out of American justice. Uh, but, you know, you know, speaking of uh, election contest, it looks mm-hmm. like Carrie Lake is about to file the mother of all election contests. Uh, well, you know what? Let, it, I had my question on that one, but elaborate on that. She, she, well, first of all, Carrie Lake was sort of handed something of a setback. They filed the lawsuit before the midterms. I think it was in this, uh, what month is it? It was in the summer, um, alleging that there were issues with prior voting in uh, Arizona, uh, alleging issues with the voting machines, untraceability of the votes, et cetera, et cetera. Before the midterms, that lawsuit was dismissed on a motion to dismiss, and then the defendants, uh, which was Maricopa County and I forget who else, filed a motion for sanctions against both plaintiff Carrie Lake and her attorneys, Dershowitz, from what I understand, and succeeded on the motion for sanctions, which was issued after the midterms, despite everything that we saw happening with Bill Gates talking about issues with the tabulators at 20% of the locations, Make it make sense, Robert. Like uh, the, the 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 motion for sanctions came to the conclusion that the that the allegations were so unsubstantiated, so frivolous, so unproven, even uh, at whatever preliminary stage they were at, that they ought not have been made. 
So much so that not only was the plaintiff held liable for sanctions, which I think were the, the legal fees, uh, so was their counsel. Can you make that make sense before we get back, get into the new lawsuit arising after the incompetence of that day uh, was, was born out for the world to see? It's the arrogant, power-hungry nature of a lot of judges who don't want lawyers raising certain cases, uh, who don't want lawyers representing certain clients. Uh, and it's, it's abusing, it's weaponizing and misusing and abusing their sanctions power, which I think I've seen enough of that I'm for long-term stripping judges of this power, period. They've proven incapable of using it in a manner that's ethical and honest and honorable. They use it for their political, partisan, personal prejudices uh, on a routine, regular basis. No monetary judgment should ever be issued against anyone without trial by jury. That's what the whole civil forfeiture case going up in Indiana is all about. They, in my view, monetary judgments, you're constitutionally entitled to a jury trial by jury, whether it's $1 or $1 million. And the fact that it's being systematically denied by whether it's called contempt, whether it's called sanctions, whether it's called default, whatever it is, shows the courts will misuse and abuse any and every loophole to get around your right to trial by jury because a jury trial would not have agreed with this. Um, and so that's problem one, a systemic flaw that probably can only be remedied by the legislative branch making clear that in any monetary amount of judgment ever, there has to be a trial by jury before that can be reduced to judgment. To be honest with you, most judges would stop right there. They wouldn't even try to impanel juries to see whether they're right. They don't want the world to say expose them. So all of a sudden, all this nonsense would mostly go away. Uh, the, the second issue is the specifics. So here's a judge who didn't allow the case to go forward on standing grounds. So he didn't allow them to discover anything. He didn't allow them to prove their case. He never granted an evidentiary hearing on anything of consequence. So how does he know what the evidence shows? How does he know what it supports? He's full of it. He's lying on the bench. That's what a lot of these judges do. They lie. They like to lie. Uh, the, and judges are infamous for it. And it's one of the reasons, like in the old days, if you go to English courts to this day in some Caribbean jurisdictions, there's something called the duties of a deemster, D-E-E-M-S-T-E-R, -E -E where they have to recount all sides' arguments before they give their decision. If you go back to old U.S. court decisions, including state court decisions, you often have to wait forever to get to the court decision because 90% of it is the court recounting both sides. What that did is that prevented them from lying with ease. The courts didn't like that because now they can create a fake factual pattern. They can create a fake argument pattern. They can set up a fake case, if you will. They can claim that these are the only issues. So you're like, oh, well, of course they came to that conclusion because these are the only issues. Uh, they like, judges like to lie. That's who they are down deep. Uh, too often, too easily, too frequently. And so here you have an Obama hack judge who's so political, so partisan, that he denies them any chance at any discovery, denies them any chance at any hearing, denies them any chance at any remedy, and wants to make clear he wants to intimidate, misuse his power to terrorize and intimidate people from, from ever raising these questions again, saying your, your law license is going to be at risk. You're going to have to personally pay monies. It's really not about the sanctions monies. It's about the ethical consequence on the lawyer, trying to get their, their pals in the... I mean, you have the Texas... Bar group, the Texas people working for a conservative Texas Supreme Court, the, the disciplinary committee is a bunch of lefties. That's why they're going after Sidney Powell. They're going after the elected attorney general of Texas. This is insanity. This is why we should get rid of licensures entirely. The courts have 
I mean, he, think about the separation of powers. The separation of powers is the legislature writes the rules, the executive enforces the rules, and the judges just interpret the rules and adjudicate disputes. Not when it comes to the light practice of law. The judges write the rules, the judges enforce the rules, and the judges interpret and adjudge the rules. And, uh, and who's most likely to expose corruption in our legal system? Lawyers. Are you going to be willing to expose it when those same judges can disbar you? Can deprive you of your practice of your of your profession? No. That's why not only is licensure a bad idea in general, just require truth in advertising, don't require licensure. Um, and uh, number one, but number two, uh, it, the way we license lawyers is an embarrassment. Uh, it's it's just it's a disgrace to our system of justice. Violates separation of powers. But who do you seek remedy from? Right? The uh, the courts. Do you think the courts are going to be like, no, we don't have that power? Uh, nah, of course not. That they're, they're as greedy for power as any uh, politician is. And that's all these folks are, politicians with robes on. So the it's an embarrassing ruling by an embarrassing court, but it shows the mindset. The goal is to, they think if they scream, shut up, or I'll smack you in the face, that people will stop raising questions about elections. It, it, all that does is increase doubt and skepticism about elections. Well, I'll tell you this. It, would, it might have that impact on me. I don't know what impact it's going to have on Dershowitz. I mean, who, 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 who can fight this fight at this point? Like, they, they, so they sanctioned Dersh. They sanctioned Carrie Lake for the lawsuit that was filed prior to the absolute debacle that was the midterms. But the judge issues this decision after the debacle What's the latest in terms of Carrie Lake's? Well, first of all, I guess what happens with this? Do they appeal the sanctions? Do they pay them? And it's going oh, to be yeah. legal. Fees? I'm sure they'll appeal the sanctions okay. on grounds they were misapplied and violation of due process principles, and it wasn't consistent with the rules and fair notice, and so on and so forth. Okay. The uh, uh, and they have robust appeals. Does the Ninth Circuit care? Do they get a Ninth Circuit bunch of judges who want to double hammer these people, or, or do they get a conscientious court? That, that's that's always a roll of the dice. Frankly, it's like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. What is justice? It's a spin of the wheel. It's a roll of the dice. Um, so the uh, two men enter, one man leave, and then you have a new rule for, that's announced when it's convenient. Um, so the same dynamic in our legal system set. But Carrie Lake has said she's bringing a full election contest once the certification goes through. Now, we've had some wild, more wild stories out of Arizona. So, I mean, the big question for, for those out there, an election contest works pretty basic. Arizona has specific statutory language, legislative language that sets out the process. It's that you file it in state court. Uh, one thing that needs to be fixed is they need to allow those to go to courts outside of the state capitol because the courts in the state capitol are overwhelmingly pro, uh, uh, are not willing to second guess elections very often. So that's a mistake of some of the Republican legislatures in these branches. But putting that aside, um, the way an election contest works is you say there were rules violated. Number one, you don't have to prove fraud. That's a myth. That's a mistake. That's a misnomer. You just have to prove there were ballots counted that should not have been, and that the number of ballots counted exceed the margin of victory. You don't have to prove they would have voted for you. That's all you have to do. Ballots were counted that should not have been, or ballots were not counted that should have been. Either way, the ballot count is wrong for some reason. Um, either excluded ballots or wrongly included ballots or wrongly excluded ballots. And that the volume, the number of ballots, exceeds the margin of victory. That's it. Then your remedy is supposed to be a new election. That's that's the typical rules. Um, unlike Trump, who's still talking about, you know, other things. We're, we're going to get to well, that. We'll, we'll get to what, what Trump's been talking about. 
But so she's going to bring it. She says she has uh, she has done it the right way, Carrie Lake. She's built a very deliberate case, gathered the evidence and accumulated it, is bringing it at the right procedural time to bring it, is detailing it, probably going to file like what we filed in Georgia for President Trump back in 2020, which was about 500 pages of exhibits, pr- of documentary proof, affidavits, declarations, a sworn statements under penalty of perjury, exhibits that document, detail, and demonstrate the scope and scale and severity of the issue, and that was more than the margin of victory in the state. Uh, the margin of victory is pretty small uh, in Arizona in the governor's race. And so th- there's already an election contest brought in the attorney general's race while there's a recount going on at the same time there because the margin's even smaller. And so we'll, the big question is a simple one. And I think it's why Carrie Lake is being smart about publicly outing this Obama judge. What she wants is a judge who will just let the law be the law and follow the facts where they may be. Uh, judges are scared to do it. And so she's highlighting... Don't be like this political hack, because all you're going to do, if I was arguing her case in the court, it would be whatever you think. The only way you're going to restore confidence in our elections is to have a full evidentiary hearing. You are not going to restore confidence in our elections by telling people they're stupid, by telling people they're conspiracy theorists, by slapping them in the face. That will enrage them and lead them to believe that you as a legal system have failed, that uh, you as as a government have failed. And that will lead to, if you don't like January 6th, you're going to have 10 more January 6th if you go down this path. So the right way to do it is for the legal system to give confidence in our government, to give confidence in our legal system, hold a transparent hearing. And if you think the evidence is crap at the end of the day, fine, say it's crap and rule against it. But have a full, transparent, evidentiary hearing so we can all see. The big evidence appears to be, this has not been confirmed by enough sources yet, so I'll wait to see uh, what is in Kerry Lake's election contest. But there are stories circulating that the reason why Maricopa County did not want to disclose how many voters checked in that day is because there is a gap of over 100,000 between the voters that checked in that day mm-hmm. and ballots counted. And that's a major problem, meaning there's 100,000 votes at Less. least short. Yeah, well, and, that's oh, more, and the margin of victory is like 30,000. Does that mean that there is 100,000 people who showed up but didn't end up voting or who showed up? Or whatever happened, their ballots disappeared. Their ballots were put mixed in the wrong place. Their ballots weren't processed. Their ballots were excluded as being double, as being at two different precincts. Something happened that, and that that's the, that's the big gap that will win her her case. If she can show more than the margin of victory, more than 30 or 40,000 people checked in to vote on election day, and yet their ballots were never counted then that's a massive problem for Arizona that should lead if you have a conscientious court to a new election. And again, what I always tell people is what's so horrible about that remedy? Oh, you, the remedy isn't, you're not giving Carrie like the government. No, Robert, Robert. You're just allowing an, an honest election to be conducted. No, you've galvanized it. There. I, I, I won the first time. I don't need to do this a second time. But let me just make sure I understand that point. 100,000 people registered and there were not 100,000 short on votes. If it were hypothetically the case that three-hour lines, 100,000 people went home and did not vote, would that suffice? Potentially, because it's, it's voter suppression, because it's the failure of the voting machines to work correctly. Okay. And again, the Arizona courts complicated this by not letting the, ballot, letting the polling places be open late. They allowed them to be open on special days to give Warnock a special mm-hmm. edge in Georgia. It looks like it's worked. You got a bunch of people to vote early who probably wouldn't have otherwise. They'll probably be the margin of victory in Georgia for Warnock because a judge inter- intervened and the Georgia Court of Appeals went and found the nearest desk and hid under it. And then the entire Georgia Supreme Court found an even bigger desk to hide under. That's what judges are good at in these kind of cases. 
Uh, when they're wrong on the election law, they hide. Uh, when they're wrong on the election law, but it helps Democrats, they're happy to sign the order. Uh, I mean, that, 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 that's the and, and they don't realize that yelling and screaming and lecturing people doesn't work anymore. Their, their moral authority is shrinking, shrinking and shrinking. And it's going to get really bad if they don't fix the Arizona court elections. Uh, people um, will be they're, they're just they're building in a group of people that will become fatalistic about American democracy because of their not only their corruption, but their cowardice and incompetence. Robert, I was listening, if you can believe this, I was listening to a Twitter hangout with Mark Elias. And I, so I, I, I tune in to listen, but I don't realize, or I didn't realize, my face appears in that, like, and right up at the top of, of um, so Mark Elias, I may or may not have seen me listening, and I wasn't going to be an asshole and, and like, you know, troll or anything. I, I wanted to hear the arguments, because one of the things they were discussing, uh, Robert, was Katie Hobbs threatening to sue the uh whoever has to certify uh the vote and i i was listening to mark elias's explanation as to how the cert the um sorry the certification is in fact something they are legally required to do such that if they choose not to do it for whatever the reason they can be legally compelled to do it because it had to do with it has to do with only maintaining the uh, impression of democracy and it's not a it is not a right that they have to refuse to certify, and therefore they can legitimately be sued if they threaten to or refuse to certify. I, I know when I don't understand something, Robert. Is Mark Elias arguing something that's, that's defensible, or is it a bastardization of the law? It, it's, a, it's more complicated than he's presenting it, and, he, and he's been on the opposite side of that in the past, telling people not to certify elections, by the way. So the, uh, the, the certification, there are two controversies, actually three controversies that arose here. The first was that Kate Hobbs was identified as part of like some people have been asking in the locals live chat about when will Twitter files part two come out. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I think uh, Elon knows he's milking this for maximum marketability. He's a, he's a genius marketer and he's proving that in spades. Quite frankly, uh, if I was Trump, I'd be a little embarrassed. Musk has shown how you market something. Trump hasn't marketed truth anywhere nearly as effective as Musk has done. M Musk is putting him to shame. Even when his even when his trolling effort, he's he's making Trump look mediocre. Um, so Trump's got up his game, Matt to match to match Elon. Elon is still the maestro of the circus. He is the Barnum of Barnum and Bailey. But the uh, 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 but I, now if I forgot what you oh, no the certification legally. Oh, so, but so the certification process. So Kate Hobbs came out that she was conspiring with Twitter to get rid of people questioning her on elections and related issues. Uh, it came out that she privately threatened people with potentially apparently arrest or imprisonment if they didn't go along with her directions in these election games. She, that, uh, photographs were put out by Richard Barris at People's Pundit Daily. You can find them at Locals, at People's Pundit on Locals, that show that they were tracking where Republicans voted and where Democrats voted inside the election precincts. Uh, that's not supposed to ever happen, by the way. People are like, oh, well, they probably have, you know, no, and, uh, you don't do that. You don't track which party votes where. And then magically, we have all the problems where you, you have a heat map showing that's where Republicans are going to vote. That's a big problem. Uh, but she was complicit in it, and it was inside a lot of the election. Because she was the Secretary of State, so she's governing, refused to recuse herself. And so you have all of those scandals. And then you had one county that wasn't happy with how the election had gone, and so wanted to exercise their constitutional right uh, to refuse to certify something that's not an actual honest election. 
and they were threatened. Now, can they be sued? Yes. The question is, is that a discretionary duty or a non-discretionary duty? It's not a ministerial duty. It's it, it would it would be a mandamus that they would it, be it can't, sued? I mean, they, 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 they can sue for sure. Uh, the, but usually what happens is the votes are thrown out, uh, potentially. But you can definitely sue to require them to certify the election if they have no grounds to refuse certification. Okay. Uh, but it is because they have discretion, but limited discretion. So he's wrong to say it's purely mandatory. Purely mandatory is something that's called a ministerial obligation. A ministerial obligation is you have no discretion whatsoever. You have to rubber stamp something or you have to deliver the mail, right? That, that you don't have any discretion in choosing whether you're going to deliver the mail. That's a ministerial obligation. Uh, certification is not a ministerial obligation. It is a discretionary obligation. Now, it's a discretionary obligation with limits on the exercise of that discretion. But by no means is it a ministerial in the way he was. But, no, that's because it, it sounded like it, it was it was only there to give to assure it's, as a what's the word, a symbolic gesture. And it, it could be done away right with about entirely. how he uses it now. Democratic no. Party uses it. No, the, the idea, yeah, yeah. If you have no reasonable grounds and you're doing it purely abusively because you're the losing party, you say tough no because I'm not going to certify. Okay, you go to court, make that argument. Right. Okay. Um, because there was somebody. They had legitimate I, I, grounds. They had legitimate grounds. Well, I, 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 they I, were, I mean, it was clear that they were the, the uh, they were going to be forced to fold. Um, the uh, and it's going to go to the election contest portion to do something about it and. The big question is, will Arizona courts give people confidence in our court systems so that we can have confidence in our elections, or will they completely fail like they did in 2020? All right. Well, we'll see there. I, I some funny, some funny chats in the in all right, Robert. If we only have a few minutes left, because I hear some chatter outside. Oh, well, there's a little office. bit of uh, there's both Trump and vaccine mandate news. Well, let's let's do the Trump thing now and we'll end with the with the with the with the vaccine news. Okay, you saw his post on Truth Social, and I, I so I, I read it. I read it multiple times, and I said, "Look, okay, my understanding of it." He says this was a fraudulent election, um, and it can call for ter the termination of all rules, articles, etc., even those found in the Constitution. First of all, okay, dude's pissed, and he's ranting. The me I, I got very suspicious when the media all of a sudden they're talking about Trump threatening to terminate the Constitution. When the Twitter files literally revealed that they effectively said, uh, what was it? The First Amendment is not absolute. So they, they are accusing Trump, who, who may have given them the grounds to do so in a truth social post, of doing exactly what was just revealed that they had done. So they have to divert, distract, etc. Uh, I heard some people interpreting Trump's truth social to say he's not saying to do it. He's just saying that it's, you know, fraud vitiates everything. That I can understand. Okay. Still think it's... Um, poor wording fodder for people who want to make him look like a, a crazy man. I would have gone with the argument that he wasn't saying terminate the constitution, but rather terminate the articles or regulations, which might be incidental to the constitution itself, which the constitution might say, you have to overturn these articles because they were articles based on fraud, whatever. Uh, what's your take on Trump's post? And, and, and people will say that you're, you know, you're partisan, you like Trump and you've been a, a Trump supporter, but I, I trust you enough to be objective. And if I think um, I'll, I'll see what I think of your answer, how do you interpret his, his, his post? I think your analysis is precisely right. The uh, it's uh, yes. uh, so it goes to like the, the book ratification behind me by Pauline Meyer about those debates. And Trump's core argument is that the strict technical provisions of the constitution were meant to enforce 
an honest election, not meant to authorize and ratify an, uh, a dishonest election. Now, that's how he should have put it, right? But now also, you never know with Trump whether he says, you know, if I use this language, I bet I get the media to cover it. <clears throat> and often he does that deliberately because he thinks if they're talking about an issue that's favorable to him in his mind, that's net plus, even if the means by which they did so was something that sounded real controversial at the top. So he thinks if people are talking about whether 2020 was an honest election, then he, Trump thinks he wins that debate. Doesn't matter how they're talking about it or why they're talking about it. Trump has often had that modus operandi. So that, that may be the, the, the political strategy he was employing. Uh, I would say as a general rule, uh, and, and that's why he may have used the inflammatory language of terminate and constitution in the same sense. Uh, I would never put those two words in the same sense. <laughs> so the, uh, um, but the, and as to his principle that the constitution should be interpreted in the spirit of the founders, meaning that it's about honest elections and everything should be done to assure honest elections. I, I get it. The reality is we set up a procedural remedy for that and our procedural remedy, we locked in for a reason. We did not want two years later presidents getting thrown out on some some uh, somebody's grounds that, that didn't happen at the time. It's just I disagree with Trump on that. I, I think the bottom line is and part of this is on him. Uh, you know, it's not just I mean, at one point I was going to run all the election contests for him. He, he had he and his chief of staff had uh, both supported supported me in that capacity. And it was uh, Romney McDaniel the Republican National Committee chairman who Trump had, I think, foolishly delegated everything related to campaigns about who who blocked me. Uh, so I'm very encouraged to see both Lee Zeldin and Harmy Dillon uh, likely to challenge her as Republican National Committee chairwoman. Uh, but, you know, my the strategy, the people that I was with were talking about, not just me, a bunch of really smart, sophisticated people, uh, was to take this to Congress, to establish in Congress to do the Supreme Court challenge, but recognize Supreme Court was likely going to hide, but use the foundation of that Supreme Court challenge to go to Congress and start build that up in advance and focus on things like signature matches and whether it was a constitutional election, get away from machines and all this other stuff that made, made his people sound like they were uh, idiots and would often repeat just basically false stuff. I mean, I'll give an example. There's a popular meme out there. When Jill Biden uh, was about to give her speech at the Democratic National Convention, she tweeted out her uh, an early photo of her and Joe Biden when she is 23 and he's like 33. Somebody smart as a troll put up on Facebook that this was really Joe Biden when he was 33, but she was 15 and she was his babysitter. That's all false. It's always false. She was never his babysitter. The ages don't even overlap. Time periods don't overlap. That that was something done. And I get it for fun, but so many people have repeated it that think it's true. What it, what it does is it helps discredit critics, questioners because they're caught embracing, endorsing something that about five minutes of research could have told them wasn't accurate. And so the, and that's what a lot of the machine stuff did. So I think in that sense, uh, Trump's words were uh, not well chosen. I also think that, you know, the, uh, and, and this is also on him, because the other thing was some of us encouraged him. Okay. If you're serious about elections, you want to keep it in the news, create a, a think tank that supports election integrity and nothing else. Help fundraise for it. Be active for it. Let's change state laws related to it. Trump did none of those things. So, uh, you know, that's really on Trump. And so the people that are critics of Trump will see that uh, comment, his truth post, 
and say he's still obsessed with 2020, even though in his announcement speech, he almost never talked about 2020 election. So it's like, so I get what I think he's trying to throw is recirculate the story with the context of Trump, but I don't think he's always doing it in the most effective way for his own purposes. Okay, good. I, I feel somewhat, I thought I just, I thought I totally misunderstood something and what he was saying was totally sound. I, I just, it's just amazing that it's the diversion of the media that they, they're, they're not trying to say that Trump is unfit for having suggested something that they insisted upon and basically stated outright in 2020. The First Amendment is not absolute as though that's not part of the Constitution. I do like the meme on our, uh, one well, of our tippers on the locals board that the, the statement is, hey, uh, we're still complying, so everything's fine, right? And it's people lining up uh, to get on the trains. <laughs> so that's a good reminder. Compliance doesn't really get you to where you want to go. Well, there, there is the expression, you cannot comply your way out of tyranny. And what are they, you can vote yourself into it, but that's you have a Robert, to. A good Robert Kennedy quote, which is a good. Now, the other Trump news was the 11th Circuit showed how fearful they are of the deep state. They're like, oh, we can't afford any special master into these very, very important comp or secret records, even though 99% of them are not secret records. Um, and so they are, so they, they threw out the special master, uh, which uh, shows you that, the, you know, the deep state uh, fear and intimidation uh, with so many federal judges. And uh, that may go up to the U.S. Supreme Court. But as Mike Davis pointed out, the real challenge was never the special master issue. The real challenge is him filing a request for return of seized property. And that hasn't been done yet. And once that's done, then maybe uh, the courts will step up. Mike Davis's prediction in our sidebar was that he thinks U.S. Supreme Court will take that case. Uh, and, and I hope they do, because the 11th Circuit has shown themselves to be some scaredy cats when it comes to uh, uh, taking on the deep state, sadly. I just wonder if it's too not too, not obscure, but rather too specific that it doesn't have national import. I mean, I appreciate the argument for why it would be important for the nation for the future, but I can see them saying, "Well, it's really about checking the deep state's power." And the courts are like, "Oh no, please, please!" That that that's who the courts really are. I mean, we I mean, uh, we've seen multiple uh, examples of that in a range of contexts where where courts uh, are just. Uh, I mean, even the conservative judges are intimidated when it comes to prosecutorial power and police power, especially. Uh, which is sad. I mean, it's like the reason why I think they'll make a good ruling in the Colorado case is because we got seven Catholics on the court. But it's also why we're probably going to be waiting a while for them to make a vaccine decision because the, the Pope was fine with the vaccine. Notre Dame is requiring it as a condition to be on campus. So, I mean, I, I've been telling some of my conservative friends, can we please put some non-Catholics on the bench? Uh, n- nothing against all my Catholic friends out there. It's just saying as a whole, when it comes to judges especially, they tend to be very authority deferential. Um, and they only stand up when there's a conflict between the church and the state. They don't tend to stand up uh, for the individual uh, against the state or the, against the church. And so we'll, we'll see if, uh, but in the, uh, I mean, they will see what happens in that. I think it's the Australian case. Is it about the baby? Oh, New Zealand. Yeah. Well, the, the, Zealand. That's coming up. What, what's the date? That's tomorrow. Whether or not they're going to take the kid away. Um, this is for those of you who don't know, I talked about it briefly yesterday. Cause I, I just, there was developments, but Four-month-old kid has a heart problem. The parents want unvaccinated blood. Uh, the, 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 the medical system says we don't distinguish between the two, so tough, tough nuggies eat it. They said, well, let's coordinate this. It's a serious heart condition. It need, the kid needs to be treated. Uh, I, I, my, we'll talk about that tomorrow because I think there's going to be news on the hearing tomorrow, so we'll, we'll see what happens. They're in the future in New Zealand, so we'll know about it by the time it's done. Good Sixth Circuit case. Affirm the uh, injunction against the Air Force. 
the uh, there's more pressure on the Biden administration to drop the defense to, because they keep losing in court. They lost now in the Ohio, Texas, and Florida. They've now lost before the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. I think they'll lose before the Fifth and the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals. So it looks like ultimately a lot of these uh, mandates on on the military will ultimately be found to violate religious rights when religious exemptions were not recognized and respected. So that was a good good sign, very good decision. I'll be posting a highlighted version of the decision later this week at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. I don't know which side it's. I can't see this one right there. That's where yeah. it. No, no, there it's there. It's that one. Yeah. The, um, uh, uh, we got to get the little one to get safe. You have a, a barns lot that local. He'll swarm me in a few minutes. Uh, um, so, but, and then we're waiting on the FDA case, uh, the, uh, against, uh, the children's health defense versus FDA about the, the big one about whether mm-hmm. the court will allow that to go forward to, uh, to stop the FDA from constantly lying about how a drug is safe, effective in a vaccine when it's not safe, not effective and not a vaccine and claiming that they can do all of it as an emergency facing children from COVID when there is no emergency facing children from COVID. Uh, so we'll see what, what the uh, federal district court there, there in Waco, Texas does. Uh, and, uh, and same waiting on the, in the Brooke Jackson case, waiting on uh, the court to uh, rule on a big decision there. A uh, range of Tyson Foods cases waiting on the courts to make decisions there. And I have brought, you know, about another half dozen cases against a range of companies uh, across the country uh, in the past uh, two weeks uh, of South Dakota to Illinois to Oklahoma to Texas, et cetera, uh, over these uh, various vaccine mandate discriminatory policies. So no major updates yet. We're in a waiting position in most of those cases. Brooke Jackson tweeted out, uh, Pfizer, I own you. And I was curious as to what she meant by that, but I'm not sure it's a question. What I she means ask. is that she's exposed who they are and what they're about. Okay. And so that, uh, that, that they are a, I mean, and they radicalized her. I mean, she's someone who's been a long time clinical director or clinical uh, employee, clinical trial employee uh, to make sure audits, you know, she was a deep believer. I mean, she, as she has publicly stated, she took the Moderna vaccine. She didn't realize that they had the same problems as Pfizer. And she's been shocked by what she has witnessed. She was shocked by what she witnessed at Pfizer, but she's even been more shocked at what she has witnessed by our federal government not being proactively involved, misleading her into believing they were going to do something when they didn't, uh, about the way Pfizer's, you know, gone after her and attacked her in a range of contexts. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, you know, it, you know, Bill Gates, if Bill Gates' objective was to popularize vaccine mandates, it's backfired badly by there's what has no, happened. There's no context. question, of, Robert, I, I'm, I'm, I now question things that I would have never questioned before. Uh, by the way, it reminds me before I forget, you, you've read a bunch. Have you has have you read anything that would support the idea that there is potentially a risk of getting a transfusion with um, vaccinated blood? Like, not medical advice, yeah. everybody out there. Yeah, I, just, I, I know Peter McCullough has, has suggested at least in some context some risks. So the uh, so I, uh, that. That that there might be risks. Uh, I mean, I know uh, 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 you know a friend of mine who is concerned that you know once they, they initially said breast milk couldn't cause anything, mm-hmm. and then his son had problems uh, after the the mother got uh, the vaccine. Uh, so the and then of course it came out later. Maybe there could be problems. Mm-hmm. So under the same logic as that and what Peter McCullough is talking about, I could see that maybe there's some transfusion risk. I mean, what what ordinary people know right now know is there's almost no one they can trust. Uh, that's part of our suit against the FDA. It's saying, look, they have destroyed trust in public health in America for millions and millions of families. And we've got to force them to do their job and not lie so we can restore some of that trust and confidence. That's that's the I mean, I, re- I was reading some articles and I'm trying to get an answer on it. And, you know, 
in New Zealand, they're saying doctor said no risk, uh, that there's maybe trace amounts of something in the blood for a few days afterwards, but they filter it out. The problem is now I don't trust them, period. In fact, the, and for the conspiracy theorists of two years ago who have now turned out to be right, who are now saying something that has yet to be proven to be right, I'm just reading the tea leaves as they've been predictive for the last two years. And when the doctor said, you don't need a mask, uh, it's good for breastfeeding, it won't affect your period. And then two years later, the, 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 the conspiracy theorists turned out to be right. Now I'm, I'm, I'm very reluctant to write anybody off and I'm very reluctant to trust the experts who say no risk whatsoever, shut up and take the, um, take the blood. I mean, um, at a minimum, that family should be allowed to choose what they want for well, their the, baby. The, the question is whether or not there's an alternative. If, if it's a dire emergency and there's no alternative. Oh, and I, I understand that. But like here, the people step forward to donate blood yeah. that match and they won't allow it to happen. It's like, I mean, this is this is insanity. It's, I mean, it's, it's like the Amos Miller case where you have the U.S. Department of Agriculture trying to dictate what we can eat. Uh, that That's not their role. Their role is to make sure the label is right, not to tell me what I can't and can't eat. And so just like the FDA, trying to just make sure the label's right. You're not supposed to lie to me about a drug. Uh, you're not supposed to dictate to me what drug I can and can't take. Um, that's not what the role has, it was ever supposed to be. The, when the government has a monopoly on power, it never ends well. Good place to end. Two hours on the nose. But Robert, kids not coming in to, to save EvaBarnesLaw.Locals.com. But people, if you want to support the channel, Locals, vivabarneslaw.locals.com. You could be a member. Our community is now over 100, I think it's like close to 110,000. That's just members. You could choose to support if you so choose. Uh, 70 bucks a year uh, and you get tons of, tons of exclusive content. But I still think one of the best ways to support in uh, with pride. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, what the? Hold on. It, it was right here. Refresh. Oh, hold on. Well, Viva, I wanted to show the mug, but Robert, if you want a shirt for Christmas, okay, I don't think the website's, I hope it's not overloaded because vivafry.com, you can get all the best merch, but we've got something that's even more special now. It's in the, inf it's gonna, we might blow up the, 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 the webpage. Um, Ziggy Shrugged has custom stuff that she's been using, she's been making for Eric Hunley, for uh, Nate the Lawyer. I don't know if, our, our Christmas ornament stuff is up yet, but it will be up. And it's going to look like this. Let me just see if we go along. They got Oswald the dog for Mark Robert and, and Eric Hundley. Nate Brody, if you want dreidels and Christmas ornaments, it's at creationsbyziggy.com. There's going to be a ton of artisanal stuff made by a Floridian. Um, and it's, it's, it's fantastic stuff. So there's a lot of Christmas gift ideas for anybody who wants to support the channel. Oh, yeah. Ziggy's great. So you know you'll, you'll have some you'll have some hush hush ornaments you can put on the Christmas tree, uh, and and uh, and then some T-shirts and some other stuff will also be up. But some of that will be up at uh, Ziggy's site. Some of it will be up at VivaFry.com. But there'll be nice Christmas gifts. You know everybody likes to get you know you get your pajamas and T-shirt ready for Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So we, we got to have some uh, some Viva stuff, some uh, Viva Barn stuff, and uh, some we'll have all of it available to you soon. You can get your dreidels, people, and then you can sing the song, the dreidel song. Uh, but I tell you, the, the politics ruins everything shirt. Every time I wear it, somebody says, I love that shirt. Um, yeah, and you guys celebrate Christmas, right? I celebrate Christmas because I love Christmas because it's not a – I understand there's the religious aspect to it. There's a part of it that's just a damn good excuse to get presents, be merry. Although this is going to be the first – no, it'll be the second Christmas of my life that will be spent outside of Canada. 
the other one was in ah, Florida. Your first and, Florida Christmas. Yeah, I had one in nineteen ninety. Whenever Dances with Wolves came out, was the only other Christmas we ever had. Not in my parents' cottage. There, it'll be. Oh no, but we're going back to Canada. Never mind. I'm going back for Christmas. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, Robert, do we have a sidebar on Wednesday? Not yet, but we may. Okay, we're, we're, we'll get something good, people. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, Robert, if you can make it, uh, Carl Benjamin, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Oh, sweet. It's, it's going to be might be the sidebar for the week then. Well, it, it, it was a last-minute thing, and it, it, it worked out well. So I'll send you the link. I, I haven't created the link yet. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, going to be amazing. And we'll get something for Wednesday. Um, Robert, what do you have on for this week? Appearances? Uh, no, I just got a lot of work. Okay. Well, uh the, the, no, no, no rest for the wicked, as they say, Robert. It's good to see you again. Everybody out there, thank you very much. Links will be in the pinned comment, yada, yada. You know what to do. See you tomorrow. See you this week. Enjoy it. Peace out, peeps. <laughs>